0: So they mostly plot out at night. Mostly, I am Sandy, joined by my co host, Graveyard. Hello. This is episode six of our weekly All Things Horror podcast. Our topic for this week is What Makes Horror? Also, we're going to discuss um, some various remakes and reboots, and legacies and revivals. Uh, we will start off with um, a, bro- a broad question, but an interesting one um, When does sci fi become horror, or when does horror become sci fi? Uh, we're going to mention some examples and just kind of go from there. Um, You want to kick it off or you want me to kick it off?
1: No, I'll go ahead and kick it off. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, first example, obviously sci-fi becoming horror event horizon, right? You know, it it takes place on a spaceship that essentially travel through hell, um, you know, and becomes really a slasher film after that. I would say that, um, I can't think of his name, the actor, the main guy, which one, Uh,
0: uh as fish runner, Sam Neil,
1: Sam Neil, Sam Neil. yes that you know he essentially comes back um realistically almost as a Cenobite, because then didn't, didn't they kind of confirm that the idea is they went through the centibite hell when they traveled through that wormhole
0: um yes um yeah they've also confirmed the writer also confirmed that he got the idea from uh Warhammer 40k okay if, if you're familiar with that you know they have like spaceships that you know they can like you know kind of warp from one place to another place but when they do they have to go through this like alternate dimension which is essentially hell right um so their ships in the that future have protections against them so they don't get corrupted by hell but like sometimes if those you know protections fail they can end up in hell Um, i mean essentially event horizon is like the first time that humanity tries to use the warp and without protection that's what happens (laughs) it's like essentially hell takes over
1: Right. I mean, do we consider the wormhole essentially to be 4D travel at that point in time? That because it's outside time, essentially, because it just kind of goes from you know, fold the piece of paper, you stick the pin through it, right? You mm-hmm. have point A, point B, you fold it, and you go from there. And essentially, that's how you, I think, it should be traveling through time, which would be an alternate dimension, which in this case would be hell. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, it starts off as a pretty good sci-fi, and then it really takes a violent turn after they go through the the wormhole, right? Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, basically, it starts off as like a, um, you know, like a, you know, like what's space salvage, you know, like they have to try to figure out, oh, you know, this, this ship has come back. We need to get on it. We need to figure out what happened, you know, where the crew is, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and, and then they get on it. And then, yeah, of course, you know, people start seeing things, you know, having visions of course it you know descends into the horror from there but yes it, it definitely starts off as a sci-fi story
1: i mean it, it's it, it's almost in lines with i think the the alien franchise as well that it's sci-fi for the most part right it also salvage there's a lot of blue collar work in space that allow these things to take place on mm-hmm. um and i think that it's really interesting i that this, you know, with Event Horizon, you know, I recall growing up people going, Oh, it's the scariest movie they've ever seen. Um, did you have that experience too? Cause, like I said, I was, I, when I was, you know, getting into horror and people like, you know, I'm trying to find the scariest movie, right? Event Horizon was always top of that list for a lot of people I talked to.
0: Um, yeah, but I mean, I, don't, I didn't really get that it was the scariest thing ever. It was just, it was, it was very, very cool. Like, I mean, most of the people that I knew really liked it. Um, I mean I liked it a lot just because it had a lot of the same imagery as like like Hellraiser did. Right. And I was I was a big Hellraiser fan at the time and, and a lot of most of my friends were. Um so yeah to to, to us it was like it was cool it was kind of like a sci-fi um you know version of of a you know like a neo Hellraiser almost. Um but yeah like all those you know visions of of hell you know you only get like you know a couple frames of it but it's right. enough to like put that image in your brain.
1: Right, it, it, you know the the ship and everything like that. Like I said, it feels like Alien meets Hellraiser, with Hellraiser being the Xenomorphs at this point. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Like I said, Alien, you know, sci-fi, you know, gets into horror. Um. You know, briefly goes into action a bit for a couple of movies too. You know, but it. it I'm just thinking, you know, when the sci-fi become horror, you know, do we cut? You know, we talked about this before, Jurassic Park. That's science fiction pseudo science fiction right mm-hmm. and it becomes horror ish with elements of people getting picked off one by one running for their lives and then you know confined space no power no help coming to the rescue it's in the same atmosphere of horror but it's science fiction as well
0: right yeah i mean yes yeah. so, i mean uh, the three elements that would make up like jurassic park would be um i mean sci-fi of course because otherwise how do you get the dinosaurs uh, but also adventure right i mean it's it's you know the adventure like you know people discovering this new world and, and you know trying to like you know survive and and you know try to get out of, of that world right but then also yeah you have a little bit of horror elements but it's like i, w- I would say of the three horror would be the least but there it's definitely there i mean like when the t-rex is there you know they right can hear it going around you know like oh the goat disappears you know What's going on, you know, and then you know attacks and they I mean you have no defense against it, so you can't do anything against it. So even though you can see it, you know what it is, it's still horror because you can't there's nothing you can do. You can't right. It.
1: It's 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 a stalker at that point in time, right. I feel like it's just you know, the big bad which, you know, funnily enough, you know, T Rex was the big bad and the number two, you know, on number three was the whatever Sorus, right? The bigger one with the horns and then i think you know Jurassic world brings back the t-rex is the hero the same well, t-rex i
0: would say arguably <laughs> the first jurassic park has the t-rex as the hero
1: because I mean, the, the t-rex yeah.
0: takes out that last raptor as it's jumping it's going to kill one of them right and, and it comes in and eats so i mean obviously it's not hero, hero, but, I mean, without killing that raptor, people would have died.
1: All right, so we're, we're back, and, you know, as we're discussing the T-Rex in, in Jurassic Park and, you know, kind of being sort of the villain, the big bad, and kind of switching sides, and, you know, we, we see that every once in a while. Like, I think that's very, we saw that in Puppet Master, you know, the puppets and Puppet Master, the first one were bad guys, then after that they turned heel and became good guys, right? Like, they were just good and became forces of good right um so you know kind of in, in your head you know when does sci-fi become horror because obviously you have science fiction and yet you can have people die you know what kind of is that line for you we go okay this is turning into horror is when the body count gets higher when we have like the the tropes that we see in horror start appearing in sci-fi
0: yeah yeah i mean, and and when sci-fi becomes horror there's always that point where i think the tables turn right um like you, you look at event horizon it's it's very clear you know when it becomes horror that they're like outmatched they have no way to like fight this weird you know hell energy right you know mm-hmm. they're, they're like okay what can we do so like the, the only idea they have is like let's blow up the ship right that's like that's all they have right. the only thing they can do is blow it up even even if we all die this ship needs to go away and that's, you know, like a very, you know, final, fatal thing um, They're, You know, it's, it's mostly fear takes over at that point. right? They're just scared of what's going to happen to them. What's going to happen to the world if it gets away, you know? Right. I think mean, that's the thing, you know, like in, in, in Aliens, right? I mean, when's when does it turn from horror to sci-fi? I think it's at the point where they say, hey, you can't shoot in there. Right. You know, and now it's like you have this, you know, these trained military force that has been on, you know, bug hunts, as they say before, you know, so they've obviously hunted some kind of alien creatures before, um, but it was on their terms, right? They had their weapons, they had their, you know, their methods and stuff like that. And then uh, what happens? Like, oh, yeah, you're in a, you know, you're, you're in a nuclear reactor. You can't shoot because you might hit the coolant system and then everybody blows up, right? Everybody's dead. Right, So, yeah, they have to, like, unload all their guns. So now the tables have turned, right? That's, I think, what it becomes horror. And it becomes very clear because it gets a lot darker at that point, right? Because You start getting the jump scares. You start getting, you know, the, the creepy music. You start seeing the walls moving around and shit. <clears throat> I think that's that's the point to me where it, where it turns horror. And I think in every sci-fi becoming horror, it always ends up that way. It starts off as, like, your typical sci-fi, sometimes even actiony movie. And then at whatever point it shifts, you know, those tables turn to where it becomes fear instead of, you know, bravery.
1: So would you throw, let's say Pandorum, uh, doom resident evil into the same spot?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, Pandorum, I would say switches pretty quickly, right? Right. (laughs) Um, but in the very beginning it is, you know, it's like they wake up, Hey, what's going on? You know, like obviously something's up with the ship. Something's, you know, we got to try to fix this. We got to try to figure out what's going on. And I think, um, I mean, I would say even, uh, I would say when he gets into the ceiling and he starts getting like stuck, right. That's when the, that's when the movie starts to shift. And then when he finally comes down and he sees that, you know, the, the, the creature, the, the guy that was trapped that first time, I think that's where it like totally shifts where you see like, okay, this is this is very bad. <laughs> you know, this is you know, that this is, there's no way that this can go well. That like this is that has become horror. So it shifts pretty quickly. I mean, that's in the first what fifteen minutes of the movie. Right. Um, so that shifts pretty quickly. What was but, the other one you mentioned?
1: Doom. I mean, it, obviously Doom is a horror video game, but the movie Doom yeah. with you know with The Rock and, and Carl Urban, mm-hmm. you know, they're transported to mars Mm -hmm. and you know they they go in there to a facility that is of unknown you know lab experiments essentially right that they don't know what exactly is going on and then i think it does you know become the you know what you want to call it the the hell the hellions or the was the spot the demon spawns in the game Mm -hmm. um I mean, it, it. I think it takes a while. It's a pretty good sci-fi movie. You know, going into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and yeah, and it, it tries to remain sci-fi until you know they finally explain what they're doing, right? And Then you realize, oh, like this, these are demons like from hell. I mean, it, uh, Doom still holds on to a little bit of that of that you know kind of action heart, right? To so where like at least they can fight you know at least they have the weapons to fight i mean obviously bad things happen um you know and it it doesn't end well for most people but at least they can they can fight with their their own weapons but yeah there definitely is that that same core.
1: yeah and i'd say another last example i would have i mean we can go on forever with this list uh resident evil because i think the first part of the movie plays out is you know you have alice and you have the other guy waking up you know they're kind of these state they don't know what you know the past what day of events that happened and i think it takes a long while to even see the first zombie i mean regardless what people think of this movie how close is this to the game you know but they're essentially going against an unstoppable ai that they can't do anything about you know what i mean like you know especially that tunnel scene with the laser grid right you know, that's right. before they even get zombies I think zombies is only in the what not even the last half, maybe the last third of the movie before we get to zombies in a resident evil, you know, so yeah. atmospherically, yeah. you know, you're going against, you know, uh, you know, the red queen AI and trying to figure out what's going on there. And so I think it's very sci-fi. And then, you know, then all of a sudden they have their, you know, the guy, um, Matt is in the room trying to get vials. And that's where body just floats up from the water and becomes zombies and then goes into horror at that point in time
0: yeah that's when it shifts like that's when those tables turn right where they're yeah they're no longer in control you know they have now it's like fear it's like just get out you just need to escape
1: yeah so i think we can you know kind of move on to the next the flip side of this is is horror becoming Mm sci-fi you know i know you have an example in there if you want to discuss it
0: i do um and obviously, we discussed this yeah. previously, right. uh, but I would say I mean, the best example I could think of would be Predator, right? I mean, obviously, it starts off as more of an action movie, right? Right. But it does shift to horror, right? You know, after the action part of it, then it shifts to horror. Like, you know, this thing is hunting them one by one. It becomes a slasher at that section of the movie, right? Yeah. Um, You know, they're being picked off one by one. They don't know what's going on. They're trying to figure it out. Um, and then it becomes sci-fi once you realize that the Predator – is an alien, right? I mean, this he's an alien from another planet here hunting. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a horror movie, but based in sci-fi elements. So, you know, at, at the end, when they finally fight, um, you know, and he blows up. Right. You know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, you know, that's your classic sci-fi ending. Big explosion hero jumping away.
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I would say that almost invasion of the Biosnatchers, right would you say that is horror becoming sci-fi because of the pods and you know it being aliens you know i don't think we ever really told it's aliens were we we just know it pods um
0: yeah 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 i don't think they say where the where they start coming from but yeah i mean either they came from somewhere else or they were like some kind of dormant or right. you know minority species on earth that somehow you know took over but yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, it's, it starts off as horror, like, you know, obviously something's happening to people, right? Right. Um, you know, they slowly figure out that some people are, you know, being replaced, or at least acting very, very strangely, um, you know, kind of, you know, your horror atmosphere. And then when they finally do figure out what's going on, oh, yeah, it's like giant bug cocoons. Right. right? Which is, you know, definitely a sci-fi.
1: Worship Troopers, sci-fi action, I think there's some horror elements. Yeah. You know, the train, the train troops, you know, you can argue how well their training was, you know, once they get on site, you know, to the first part, right? If you want to call it what a a barracks, essentially, or science is a science facility that, you know, you have the giant hole in the ground. And, you know, they kind of realize that they can't win against these bugs. There's too many and people start getting killed. I'd say pretty gruesomely. Right. Mm hmm. You know, would you think that that's kind of in that horror becomes sci-fi because then you get more into the you know the DNA, the genetics of the different bug species, and you know all obviously all big propaganda parody of things, right?
0: Right. I mean, I would say, I mean, it's, I mean, it could be like horror elements. Would it be more of like the horror of war, right? Right. Um. I mean, there's definitely horror elements of like you know the brain bug like controlling people. I mean, that's terrifying, right? right um but yeah i mean like you know all the bugs flooding in and and dying i mean yeah there's i mean there's definitely horror elements of it but it, again it's it's more of like the horror of war I mean, you know like this is a war that they're fighting and they're not doing well right so yeah i mean it definitely has elements of it i can see that
1: so the question i i really have is you know is anything any horror movie that deals with aliens or outer space is that always going to be towing that line do you feel Between sci-fi and horror, just because of sci-fi being what it is, I mean, not necessarily. You know, I think if it's aliens or space, it's generally going to be have some sci-fi elements. While other things exist, like creature features, or even like the original Westworld movie, where it is science fiction, it's robots, but it is horror still, and it's not aliens. But I'm thinking, you know, with space and aliens, is it always destined to toe that line?
0: I mean, it is. I mean, it's just because. You know, in sci-fi, you're talking about things that haven't happened yet. Right? I mean, right. you know, technology that does not exist yet. So if you're in space doing things, um, it's going to be sci-fi simply because there's not much we can do in space right now. Um, you know, as well as far as like living or allowing horror elements in there. Right. Um, you know, where you're talking like, you know, ships that you can like walk around and there's places to hide in, stuff like that. Like that, you know, obviously we don't have that yet. Um And so, yeah, I mean, even, you know, like, again, like laboratories and, you know, monsters like that, you know, things like that. I mean, we don't have those things yet. So in order for, yeah, a sci-fi horror, it's always going to tell that line simply because, you know, the things that don't exist yet are there. I mean, elements of sci-fi are going to be there. It's in the mix. It's going to be one of the elements of the movie. Right.
1: I mean, yeah, I think it's just going to be that case. And I don't necessarily have problems with that stuff, obviously, because there's some really great things. Like you know, we discussed that we both like sci-fi and, and horror, just you know, varying degrees for each other, right? Of what we like more. Um so I'm gonna kind of change a little bit topics, but still dealing with horror and space, is why must everyone go to space, right? do we think it's, you know, for examples, we have, you know, Critters 4, we have Leprechaun 4, we have Hellraiser 4, we have Jason X. Do you think that at some point, you know, all these take place in the 90s, except Jason X was like 2001. Do you think that it's, they're going to space because we got tired of, you know, the situation on earth that we are now realizing we can, that that path, that trope is no longer scary. So they put it, the element of space where it has the unknown as just a different backdrop, or do you think it's just a ploy that writers just run ideas with at some point and everyone goes to space?
0: Um, I mean, I think there's elements of both there. I mean, I would lean towards they just didn't have any more ideas. Um, and so one guy was like, Hey, let's put him in space. You know, I mean, I don't know who did it first. You know, I don't know <laughs> where they got the idea from, but like, Hey, like, let's put them in space. And then when the other guys ran out of you know, ideas. They're like, well, hey, we haven't done space yet. I mean, so then they just jumped right into that. I mean, um, so I think that's what it is. So, I mean, I I don't think it's t- all of it. I think there's there's you know, elements of both, but I think it's more of yes, you know, it's it's a thing for them to do that they haven't done yet.
1: Right now, I I would argue that critters of the four that I named makes the most sense as they are aliens, right? They yeah, are from the they this, are from space, and it makes sense that you know, bring the fight to them type thing. That's not what happened, obviously. But, you know, the idea would make sense in the Critters franchise is they're aliens. They are They come from space. What happens when we go there? Leprechaun, I think he had no business <laughs> going into space.
0: No. Oh, yeah, I mean, well, Critters is, yeah, I mean, they made it clear from the very first episode that they came from space. So, right. now, yeah, it wasn't that big of a shock that they ended up in space. But, yeah, Leprechaun, I mean, yeah. I mean, again, a Leprechaun, I think they just ran out of ideas. I don't know what is happening with Leprechaun. I mean, there's <laughs> – I don't even know how to describe some of the versions of Leprechaun and how, in my opinion, terrible they are.
1: But um, – They have a place. They have a place in my heart. They do.
0: Uh, I'm just saying. You know, I, again, I always fight against that, that super cheese that tries to be, like, self-aware. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Leprechaun does it well. Um, I mean, hey, you can have your own opinion. That's just my opinion. I don't think Leprechaun does it well. I don't think most of the Leprechaun movies are are good enough for me to watch. <laughs> I'm sure, far enough at a far enough timeline, we might do Leprechaun show
1: around St. Paul's Day.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'll have to watch them again. But um, yeah, as 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 far as right now, as I've seen quite a few of them, not all of them, quite a few of them. They just keep getting worse, in my opinion.
1: Right, and Creators 4 was kind of the end of the Creators franchise for a very long time, up until recently. Leprechaun 4 put a halt on the Leprechaun series until he went to the Hood and back to the Hood, and then came back with WV Star, and now back with a whole revival thing, which we'll get into a little bit later. But it's almost like the ending movie of a franchise. It's like the final nail, right? It's either you know, you see the final, the final, whatever, right. Or then they go to space like Jason X realistically. I feel until Freddy versus Jason, but as a franchise killed the Friday the 13th, it was so bad.
0: Well, yeah, but it was also it Jason X felt like, like a fan, like, you know, fan fiction. It, it right. really, it was all over the place. And there was just all these like goofy characters that were just, Ridiculous. I mean, I understand it was supposed to be sci fi in space, but like, I mean, the android and like, you know, I mean, <laughs> come, on. I mean, it, it's just so, so bad.
1: So, um, do you think that, you know, w- with horror and the sci fi, that's better towing the line, blurring that line between them when that's the original thing versus a standard, a lot of these are slashers that they, you know, they end up going to space? Like it seems so out of left field that it really doesn't fit in, especially when they go back to the roots as most of these do of of the of the slasher franchises right that this seems like that one off type scenario and I would say that this these are probably the, some of the weakest entries in these franchises is when they take it and make it try to make it sci-fi versus aliens or Predator it's always been that line. Right. right that's always been there
0: yeah i mean uh, aliens partner again it was built around that,
1: um, right
0: so i mean yeah it's, it's not a surprise when even if it shifts one way or it shifts the other way it, you know as long as both of those elements are there it's it's okay you know it's it's fine it's always lived in that realm between the worlds right right um but yeah you have you know something like you know leprechaun or jason you know, or friday the 13th or hellraiser it's uh, yeah these things have always been like Purely on the horror side, so when you try to straddle that line, when there's no lore or no like previous, you know, event to that even happened, even remotely sci-fi, they try to like inject that into it, and it it can work if you do it. And I would I would say in those you'd probably have to do a very small dose, right? I mean, being in space is not necessarily bad, but you don't have to go super sci-fi with goofy androids and you know, I mean. Right you know, like the weird superhero you know space marines that they had, I mean, just goofy, goofy characters. it didn't need to be like that it could have been it could have been way different
1: and i I honestly off the top of my head, I can't think of any movie where it goes into the sci fi realm that's a horror thing that works well that doesn't start off that way and ventures into it. that's just not good,
0: yeah, I mean. Out of out of the list, I would say Hellraiser does it the best, but it's still not great.
1: Right. I mean, you could almost argue that at that point, Hellraiser 4 would be a tie-in to Event Horizon at that point, right? It's just kind of like their their sister movies.
0: Yeah, kind of sorry. Of, I can see that. Um, I mean, but you know, at least at least Hellraiser, you know, they always have interesting characters, interesting you know creatures and stuff you know at least there's at least there's something interesting about it the other ones really don't have that much going for them
1: right and yeah we'll definitely get to these franchises at some point uh hellraiser especially sooner rather than later yeah um but let's 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 shift gears and go into slashers right how important is how important is a story is slasher? I know we briefly discussed this when we were discussing slashers. I think in our first episode. Um, but how do you feel about the importance of story?
0: Um, story for a slasher. I mean, realistically, it doesn't matter um, because if, if you look at um, you know the success rate of these slashers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of the most of the, the most successful slashers out there really don't have a whole lot of story. Right, you know, I mean, like Halloween, the, the very first Halloween had like nothing. Correct. I mean, it was this guy coming to kill people. There was no backstory. I mean, there was a very, very poor backstory, if I'm being honest, of a of a terrible, terrible child psychologist who <laughs> just like met some kid that was like, oh, this kid's this kid's kind of messed up, and then he just did nothing, and then like, you know, hey decades later the kid becomes a murderer oh i couldn't have seen that coming even though i did nothing in the meantime i mean again but there's no real real backstory there i mean yeah that the child psychologist is there to tell you he's just a bad kid he's just evil that's it that's all that's the the only backstory is that he's a bad kid he's evil
1: now (laughs) now do you think it's because generally slashers remain in such a low budget and a lot of people's first especially the first ones and the slashers that they just don't have the funding to build the lore background behind it so therefore the story isn't that big.
0: Um and uh I don't know. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's fair to say because I mean you look at at Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Mm-hmm. I mean there's a lot of lore behind that. I mean obviously in the first one not a lot of it is coming out because you know basically, you know, Freddy is you know, this bad character, but you know, he's like, you know, lives in dreams, and you know, you get the rules of the dreams, you know, that you know, if you're asleep, it's his world, if you're awake, it's your world. I mean, at, at least there's like rules, and it's interesting, and there's, there's, you know, some backstory, some world building, there's some stuff going on, right? Right. Um, the Friday the 13th, I mean, even the, they at least they had the, the very first one had a twist in it, right? Right. It wasn't just a generic. Slasher of you know some nameless guy murdering people and they don't know why. I mean, it essentially was, but at least there was that twist of like, oh, it's a character that you've seen, (laughs) you know, (laughs) walking around, like, you know, this is a character that you know. Um, I mean, obviously, that changed in the later versions, but you know, in the first one, I mean, there was some story again, there's not a lot of story going on there. That's why I would say, like, you know, you look at all the slashers out there their success doesn't really matter about how much story or backstory or interesting things are happening. It doesn't really matter. It just matters if it's made well and, you know, it gives you that that classic, you know, slasher, you know, suspense and fear that that's basically what makes it. The story doesn't make it, but I mean, obviously oh. in my mind, it adds more to it, but uh, not a lot of people feel that way.
1: I mean, do we think that we're going with Wes Craven with nine realm street and obviously he started, the scream franchise, which has an awful lot of story for slasher, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, you know, like I said, it's is it Wes Craven? Is it his film style? Know. You know, obviously Wes Craven did movies before *Your Nightmare on Elm Street*, but like Sean Cunningham didn't do a lot of things before *Friday the 13th. You know, how many movies did John Carpenter really do before *Halloween*? You know, weren't they weren't necessarily as Seasoned veterans, if you will, as Wes Craven did, but time mean, he did Nightmare on the Street and Scream. You know, is it is just kind of like putting your name out there, and slashers are the quickest, cheapest way to make a buck, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, realistically, I mean, John Carpenter had a couple of movies before, but they were both like action movies, right? You know, they were they were not horror movies at all. There's no horror elements in them, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, but Halloween again, probably having, well, I don't know, if it's the least amount of story out of all the the classic slashers but he's definitely in the top five right yeah um and it was extremely successful and very well made i'm not i'm not trying to say it with that it takes away from the movie at all it's it's a great movie it doesn't need that story because it does good without it um and again you know going by you know how successful they are you know going by ratings going by you know money making all that kind of stuff all of those things say it doesn't matter so realistically it doesn't
1: Right. But you would just say that a lack of story makes it more mysterious, more successful, therefore more terrifying, if you will, you know, to not have an answer for why this is happening.
0: It can. And, and you know what, it, it's, it's okay if you don't have all the answers, because I mean, I think, I mean, that's something that some people don't like, but I think the majority of people don't need things spoon-fed to them, right? I mean, I think they enjoy when they get to figure things out a little bit right. for themselves or at least have that, that wiggle room to, like, have your own kind of theory and your own, you know, story of what of what goes on and what happens. I think where, when it gets bad is when the story is, is written a certain way, right? You have, mm-hmm. you know, your A to B in the original story and then somebody comes along and says, hey, we need to make this mysterious. Let's just omit information. Right. Let's look at this story and this script and let's just take out information. We're going to add unnecessary artificial suspense and mystery by just removing critical plot information. Um, and that has happened to, you know, a lot of movies, a lot of shows. I think that's that's when it's bad is, is when the story is written with these things there and then you take them away. It feels like something's missing. Now, you can write these stories knowingly not giving all the information and it can be done well. You know I mean? Like again, like the first Hellraiser when you watch it, you know that you're only scraping the surface of that world. Right. Right. I mean, there's a lot more weird stuff going on in that wherever dimension that pinhead came from. Mm -hmm. We don't know all that stuff. We only know the little bit that's happening right now and it's okay. That's all you need to know for that story, but there's a lot more behind the curtain and that's okay. That's the way it was written. That's the way it was made. Um, and you get um, other movies. I'm just going to use, like, you know, Prometheus as an example is where it was written with, I mean, and filmed, honestly, with all this information there to give you what is happening and what's going on. And then you have people that come in later and say, hey, I'm just going to remove critical plot information to make this more suspenseful. You know, let's make this more suspenseful. Let's make this more of a mystery and just remove the audio from like the last 10 minutes of the movie. You know, so we put like weird, creepy music over it. So you don't hear what's being said and what's going on. And then just don't tell you what the alien's saying, even though in the original script, we know what he's saying. Right. Yeah, I mean, to, stuff like that. And that's when it makes it bad. In my opinion, I'm not saying Prometheus is a bad movie. It wasn't. I'm just saying it. I think it was missing something. It felt like it was missing something.
1: So you're saying that you want your J.J. Abrams and your was it Lindhoff or from Lost to make a horror movie because you <laughs> really enjoy that? Okay,
0: well, yeah. So Lindhoff, I mean, to be fair, he has done a lot of uh, you know omitting critical plot information, um, but he has done some good things lately. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to forgive him for his past <laughs> misdeeds. Um, but you know, I, but yeah, he, he seemed to like to do that, as he would just like, hey, I'm going to make this mysterious by just. You know cutting away you know plot information that's supposed to be there but just just leave it out
1: right um but you know on, on tour you know talking about stories and, and slash and stuff like that do you feel as as a movie franchises out that you need to add story to it to explain things because you know going back with with night on Elm street really great backstory and eventually, we're just starting into the point where there is no story anymore. It just becomes the slasher. So we start off with a lot of lore, and it dwindles off. I think it happens with Friday the Thirteenth. We have a lot of lore, and then honestly, after number two, there's not much of a story after that, right? Nothing's added to it.
0: Yeah, nothing's. Yeah, nothing's added to it until later when you get to like. Well, you know when it, when it starts, they start to like allude to him being like a demon and that I, you know, yeah, yeah, and they start having like, you know, like military strike teams <laughs> taking him out and knowing what kind of thing he is and all that. I mean, that it gets weird, but yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of of evolution of his character. I mean, from like what, yeah, three to what eight. I mean, it was like this the same. You know, movie. I mean, it was obviously three to nine. different yeah. characters, but like, yeah, yeah, but it was essentially no more information was ever found out about Jason at all. It was just different things. You know, he would kill different groups of people. Is essentially what it was.
1: But in spite of that, it you know they were trying out like did eight of them or nine of them in the eighties itself.
0: Yeah, no, I, it was like yeah, one a year. I mean, they were like they were cranking them out, and right. that's and they're not necessarily bad. I mean. I'd say as they go along, they, they drop off in, in quality, but they're still, you know, popcorn, you know, movies. I mean, you know, it's something to watch, you know, something, you know, to pass the time. They're not necessarily bad, but they're not, you know, as good as they were either.
1: Right, because Jason goes to hell, so we get more of that implied that he is a deadite from the evil dead. Because we have the Kandarian dagger, we have Necronomicon. Very little Jason Voorhees, in as Jason Voorhees as opposed to being possessed, and arguably once again killed the franchise for almost a decade. Right, with with that, and I, and I honestly would say that it's probably besides Jason X, one of the weakest entries in that franchise.
0: Yeah, and that's I, so why I think I think the ideal sequels in a slasher universe they give you little little nuggets little tidbits right you know so like each each movie that comes out it doesn't have to spell out their whole story because again you didn't really need it in the original you don't really need it in the sequel either right but you know you want to you want to appease everybody so you don't you know just you know spew out this huge backstory right and make it take up the whole movie so you figure out who they are where they came from just a little bit little tidbits little nuggets you know right Find Out like you know where they're from or you know you know, it's other things besides they like to murder people, right? Any other information becomes something to build on. Right. So anything other than that, I think that's what they do. Do they all do that? No, not not at all. I mean, as we've seen from from three to nine <laughs> and the right that they universe, nothing happened. Right. As far as you know, character <laughs> development for him. He was the same exact character. Nothing new was learned. Right. right. Um, but yeah, I mean. That's so how it is. I mean, in the, in the Hellraiser universe, at least the, you would find out more about um, you know, the Cenobite kind of dimension or the box, you know, you'd learn again, little tidbits, you get little nuggets, you know, you wouldn't get a whole lot, but you get little, little bits and pieces, right? I think that's what makes it good. Cause then the people that are like, Oh, I want to know more about this universe. I want to know more about this world. They get their little bits, but then the slasher people also get their, their story too.
1: Right. I know we want to discuss, I and mean, we'll get into it when we have the three or four part episode of the Halloween franchise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, very, very myst- much mystery shrouded in the first Halloween. Number two, we find out there's a reason for him going after, you know, Laurie trail, that's brother, and then we get three, you know, we're not going to discuss too much, and curse on Michael Myers. We get a whole bunch of lore. whole bunch, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I mean, other than Halloween Resurrection, arguably one of the worst Halloween movies. Right. (laughs) Where we get a whole bunch of lore. Uh, Well,
0: I think, again, it's because, you know, I said the ideal sequel in that slasher world is you get a little bit of you get little nuggets, right? Little tidbits, little little tastes. And I think there was really I mean, there was that they did that in the second. one, Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, they added more, but there was still a lot left to, to be known. You know, like what? Why? You know, right. What? Like, we still don't know all of the elements of this. Um, the third one, obviously, complete departure, right? Right. It has nothing to do with Michael Myers at all. And then they come back hard, right? Because I mean, three did not do well. Correct. Um. Again, I mean, I know they were going for an anthology thing, but if you're going for an anthology thing, you have to do that with everyone. You can't do one and two being Michael Myers and then three being the anthology. That doesn't make that doesn't make sense. You know, you're confusing people, and that's like right. understandably upset. I get that. So, three, I mean, again, I don't think it was that bad of a movie by itself, but it being in the Halloween franchise, yes, obviously. Um, but, yeah, well, we're not going to discuss not, that. Too right. goodness, but, again, you got too much information in four after, again, a movie that didn't contain them at all, and then two, which only had, you know, you know, some, some tastes of what is going on, and then fourth just, just answered all the questions that were asked and then, and uh, you know, went in the wrong direction, I think.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I—I I know a big talking point for you know uh, your note of you know making horror pierce angry is Rob Zombie's Halloween. Mm-hmm. So we can you know we we'll be discussing more of it and on the rewatch maybe I'll have different opinion on the rewatch. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we as we discussed before, is so much lore was added to it, right? Right and I know you know people, I'm one of them, that just really didn't care for the movie. That, you know, I argue that, you know, Curse of Michael Myers did so much lore that they had to reset and bring back Laurie Strode. And, you know, I know Rob Zombie was doing what he did. Like I said, we'll discuss more in the Halloween episodes, but I honestly feel it was too much lore. It got rid of everything yeah i know they made him more human but that's not what i don't feel the franchise was about well i mean i'm gonna
0: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it i'm gonna keep it brief. <laughs> um i mean obviously we'll get further in this debate but i mean mine is that uh it was too late when they brought that stuff in in the original right yeah i mean four was where they answered big questions it was way too late, obviously. You were, even had a movie in there that had nothing to do with Michael Myers at all. Way too late. You know, again, it came out of nowhere, too much, too late. Everybody was upset. It turned off the whole franchise. Now, when Rob Zombie rebuilt it, right, I mean, he wanted to include all of that. But again, if you know where things are going from the beginning, as we do with Halloween at that time, you know, he wanted to go back and, and put all of that together to make a coherent narrative right right because you know in the original you have one two you know unrelated three and then four with you know extremely heavy story so he just took all of those i mean obviously minus three but and then tried to like retroactively put them into an order that makes sense and i mean obviously he added more to it i mean you know again like you said it it makes it like a human story rather than just this supernatural bad person like i said Donald Pleasance is like the worst child psychologist ever. I mean, he literally has, he doesn't even attempt to try to save the kid at all. He just, the bad kid, kill him. Right. That's it. That's his whole plan. This is, like, from, he must right, die. From the, from the beginning, he just like, you know, met the kid once. He's like, nope, this kid to die. Like, this is a bad kid. I mean, that's not what child psychology is supposed to do. He's supposed to try to help the kid. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, I think that's what he did. He tried to make a coherent story. Just, I mean, I know you don't want to hear that, but like (laughs) stay true to where the franchise was going. I understand that, you know, nobody likes three or four (laughs) in that realm. I get it. But he was trying to make a coherent narrative out of all this stuff that did happen and try to make it make sense and then move forward from there. Yeah. Is that what he was trying to do? But again, Uh, he was building that universe with all this information already known we already know from the very first one you don't need that story right that's it was very successful it was very great i mean a lot of people consider it to be the greatest horror movie ever or at least of the 80s right right um and it had like very very little story and i mean the numbers speak for themselves you don't necessarily need that he was just did a different version of it he put more story into it and People that like the original that didn't have the story have the numbers to back them. I'm not going to say that they don't, but people like me that prefer more story, prefer more background, you know, explain how this happened. I think it's, I mean, I like it. Yeah. But I know I'm, I'm in the minority on that, and that's okay. <laughs> I, I know that wasn't as brief as I wanted
1: it to be. No, like I said, we'll discuss it more in the episodes yeah. of the Halloween franchise, which we'll be getting up to number 13, I believe, the new one. Um, so you know, let's change gears a little bit, right? Um, atmosphere versus substance. I know we touched briefly in your, your first love, we really discussed it, and you know, the before times is you know, being the, the visual medium that it is, do you like more atmosphere versus necessarily dialogue. You know, I'm getting at you know, the world building through visuals versus story substance do you think there's do you like prefer one or over or the other do you think you have both without it being too long of a movie well i mean what, what do they say the old uh, what,
0: what the old writing adage is is like show don't tell right <laughs> um yeah so i mean in, in the perfect world, I mean, you'd have both, right? I mean, you, you should have both. I mean, they both have their place. They both have the reason. I would say specifically for horror, I would say it's more of a visual medium, honestly. Right. I mean, you know, there you got your, you know, your your creepy suspense, your you know, people sneaking around, your darkness. I mean, these are all visual elements, right? Mm-hmm. You know, jump, the jump scares, all that, all that stuff is is visual. I mean, I, I guess there's an auditory element to it too, but yeah, I would say it's it's more of a visual medium. So I would say in the horror genre specifically. Yeah. I would say, yeah, the visuals would count more. I would say, I mean, obviously I like both, but I, I guess the successful horror doesn't. Mean that, so,
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, you could, I mean, especially in, let's say slashers or, you know, touch briefly back on that is at some point in time, you know, you're the survivors the people are alive are trying to be as quiet as possible. So, you know, you're gonna build you're gonna have more atmosphere you're gonna have more acting with visual cues and the sights and the sounds versus dialogue right and that's you know you have you're you're being quiet and I'd say the older stuff gets away with it you can actually have silence there's so many movies especially slashers that there's silence for like 20 thirty minutes of the movie there's no uh-huh. dialogue being spoken and it's all visual cues right and you can see that now I think with movies like hereditary or i'd even say midsummer there's a lot of visual stuff especially in those type of those those two movies right that a quiet place right that you can have a story but not a lot of dialogue and but you're building atmosphere right you're getting attention with that and you know what are your thoughts of of that part of it you know like do you like when there's more talking? Do you like when there's just silence and there's more tension building into it
0: um i mean i think I think they both have their place um but I would say specifically for the horror genre, I would say atmosphere matters more. I would say i mean it is like you said I mean like you have like the quiet place, right like over half the movie, there's no talking right, right? um I mean but uh, yeah, a lot of horror movies they have to be quiet. there's a lot of sneaking around. You know, so like the, a lot of the only sounds going on is like you know the, the the person that they're hiding from you know is is walking footsteps or you know right banging on things and stuff like that. I mean, those are the only things that you're you're hearing, and it's all visual. So yeah, I mean, uh, with horror specifically, I mean, with the best horror, I would say atmosphere matters a lot more. I mean, obviously, other genres substance matters <laughs> more. I would say in the horror genre, atmosphere matters a lot.
1: more. Right. Um. So. How do you, you know, like I said, you know, there's there's quietness generally in the older seventies, eighties, and nineties stuff. I feel, in my opinion, that there's oversaturation of music and sound effects being played instead of that silence. That you don't know if some of those noises are supposed to be known to the characters in that movie, or if it's solely for us to build the tension with with us, right?
0: Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's what they're doing. They they make you the sound and the music is supposed to make you uncomfortable. It's supposed to speak to you. It's supposed to, it's supposed to like put your mind in that space where it should be. Right. Like, you know, um, you know, like when you're watching, you know, like a horror movie, when you're watching, you know, like a, a disturbing part or like a suspenseful part, right. That music is a big part of what puts you there. You know, like, you know, you get suspensefully you get like these weird, like high pitched kind of almost uncomfortable tones. Right. Right. And it's that's putting your brain and you in this like uncomfortable position so that you can feel a little bit of what you're supposed to feel in the movie. Um, and then you get like other genres where you have like, you know, like like epics, you know, stuff like that. They have these big swooping orchestral movements. Right. Right. And, and, the, and you get that that emotional swell right? Mm-hmm. You know, your eyes get glassy because, you know, you're feeling all that emotion you know, that that music is helping you get there. I mean, obviously, the movie has to do its job, too, to make you feel like you're at that moment, right? Um, but the music is a big part of what brings that out. And so, yeah, and the horror element, yeah, I mean, it's you get those, those weird sounds that, I mean, sometimes you don't even realize it's happening. It's just, it's done behind the scenes, and that's, you know, that's why when you have a good, you know, sound person, you know, a good you know, score a person, they can really make you feel what they want you to feel, put you in that
1: right place. Now, do you, like I said, you know, I, like I said, I don't, I, the music's fine. I don't like, I understand the, you know, the auditory cues that they're trying to invoke in you. I don't like the sounds that if you hear, you know, some, sometimes there's bumps and thumps that, you know, you don't necessarily know if the characters are hearing or if it's just for you, if it's trying to direct your eyes to something else or to, involved with it, but um, I almost feel like maybe this is why some people that are newer to horror that, you know, the past 15 years of horror find the older stuff so boring is because we don't have that filler, right? We don't have the necessarily the auditorial cues in that. We just have silence instead.
0: Well, and that's why in in any genre, I would say, because any, any person that's making... A movie, right? Um, a person making that movie is going to be a student of film in at least some way, shape, or form, right? Right. And in order to be a student of film, you have to go to your roots. So, if you're making horror movies, of course, you're going to go to the roots of horror, right? To see how the the people of the past successfully did this before. I mean, that's the best way for you to learn. That's the best way for you to build on it. Um, and if you're coming in trying to watch horror now without knowing where it came from, I think you're going to miss a lot of stuff. I mean, I think that's just one aspect that you'll miss. I think you're going to miss a lot of
1: stuff. Right. And, you know, and as we discussed, you know, the, some of the earliest movies were horror movies in the silent film era. And there was no sound and it was all atmosphere. Right. And, you know, read a little bit of reading, but, you know, they were able to tell the story. It's actually through play. You know, it was a big sound stage. It was a big play.
0: Yeah, I mean and again I mean especially with silent movies music was the only way they had to communicate to you right besides the visual. So like yeah there was there was certain, you know, notes or certain like, you know, you know, I, I don't know, a company meant that they would have to kind of try to put you. I mean, obviously, that was in its infancy. They didn't know what did these things yet, but there was a lot of people learning and trying to figure it out. It's like, you know, you play certain things or certain tones or certain songs. You're going to make people feel a certain way. You're going to put people in a certain mindset. Right. And then that's you know, and then that's where you're going to go. Obviously, now there has been like a 100 years of people experimenting with this. so Obviously, there's a lot of people that know what they're doing. And that's why there's a lot of people that, you know, you always see the same names doing movie soundtracks and scores and stuff. It's because they're good at what they do. Right. So they keep getting more work.
1: Now, do you feel it's cheating where we have the, the sound, but the, the frequencies that we don't, that we don't register, but we still technically hear them. That gives us, feeling of nerve. do you feel that's a cheat in, in horror movies?
0: Uh, no, I mean, it's not a cheat. It's a tool. I mean, if, if you have tools at your disposal that can, can put, someone's mind in a place that you want them to be um i mean that's a good thing i mean as long as you're not like you know injecting them with sodium pentothal (laughs) like trying to like you know change their mind from what they want to be i mean as long as you're not doing that i mean again if you're just using tools audio cues visual cues all these things to like just shift your perspective or or change your state of mind yeah i mean those are just tools in the toolbox i don't think it's cheating
1: so what do you think is your most visually appeasing horror movie for atmosphere, including atmosphere, visual and auditory.
0: Ah, uh, geez. I mean, there's a lot of them that I really like. I mean, I mean, you mentioned Hereditary earlier. I think that one is visually a great, great movie. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, I mean, recently the one that I liked the most. Again, I think I mentioned it earlier, but um, is It Follows. Yes, I, I like the way that everything is is visually placed in that movie. It, it's it's all it's it's like the it's almost like nostalgic and modern at the same time.
1: Well, there, there's not very much technology. All they have, all the person really technology wise is like the one clam shell cell phone, right? That you well, don't it's, know it's like what de- they right? yeah. don't know what it could be any decade for the past thirty years. You don't really know, right? Right, but I I think it was just. Uh, i don't know the the way that they filmed it the
0: way that it was presented i think it was it was fantastic like i think uh like the, the i think my favorite scene is um the very first scene where where uh you know the the main the main actress she like first becomes aware of what's going on right the guy's got her like tied to that chair right and he's like showing her what's going on i mean just the way that that was filmed like they're up on like you know, like a second floor of like a, a broken down apartment building. Right. right. Yep. And he's like, you know, just watch, just watch, you know, and then you see this person like just walking forward. I mean, it was, it was very, very well done and it got its point across. Right. There wasn't a whole lot like, you know, said, presented there. I mean, I it follows, doesn't have a whole lot of, of backstory. I mean, there's enough, right? but I mean, there's not, you don't know what it is or where it came from or why or any of that stuff. You just know what it does. And that's it. Um, and I think that's what makes it, it's just, you know, plain horror in that way.
1: Right. And, yeah.
0: um, but yeah, I think it was, it was just a great way to open it up and, and say it, like I said, visually, I thought it looked great. You know, I, I thought it put you in the right spot.
1: Right. I mean, you can probably guess not newer or movable atmospherically for visual and auditory cues. What mine is, it's going to be obviously evil dead. <laughs> um, I think he was really good with this camera work, with his scenery, with his auditory cues, and, you know, because he does allow different visual styles and, like, you know, the pounding of the clock with uh, Cheryl, you know, when she's drawing, you know, getting possessed and starts drawing on her paper and just, you know, all the sounds of, like, the clock, especially the clock pendulum hitting the sides, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it was very loud noise, but just the sequence, I think, is very unnerving as a whole.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he also did a lot of interesting things interesting things visually is you know he like he put a camera on a bike right and then rode it through the house you know to get that visual thing that he was looking for or he he put the camera on the two by four right and he had like two guys hold each side and just like run through to get the right angle the right visual thing that he was looking for so yeah even though he didn't have the right tools for the job he did what he you know could do to tell the story that he wanted to show you
1: right and he he invented a lot of camera techniques that are being used that he just out of necessity. Right.
0: Right. But yeah, but visually he knew what he wanted to, to tell, right? He knew that story he wanted to tell visually and, you know, he did whatever he had to do to get it done.
1: Right. So, you know, our next talking point, gore versus plot.
2: Mm hmm.
1: Right.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, with <laughs> horror, I mean, especially slashers, I mean, gore is king, right? right. I mean, again, I, I mean, go back to Halloween. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of murder, a lot of blood, a lot of death, but there's like, there's no plot, right? It's just some guy with a knife killing people. Nobody knows why. Nobody finds out why. It's just that's all it is. I mean, and so many slashers are are very very similar, right? You might get a little bit of a twist on who the person that's killing them is. But like the gore and the deaths is like the reason you're watching it. I mean, that's the reason why slashers exist is is basically for that.
1: Right. But then you have stuff like The Thing, which is very plot heavy and very gory and visual in it. Right. A lot of body horror, I think.
0: Right. Which is which is why I really like <laughs> The Thing because for me, I mean, when when these things, both of these things exist, that's the ideal scenario but in the horror world you don't need both it just in my mind it makes it better if you have both right if it's done well i'm not saying you know just playing more plot is good no that's to be done in the right way but
1: do you do you ever have you ever watched a horror movie and go this is too much gore body horror
0: uh no no i mean I know it's a movie. I know it's fake. I know a lot of people have have trouble separating it because, you know, they can, they can you know, see that, you know, at least real elements of it, right? Or they may have, like, experienced something similar to that or seen something similar to that, and it, it bothers people. I get that. I'm not saying people are weak for not understanding that it's fake. I get there's a lot of triggers that, that could make it worse for you. But for me, yeah, I, I know that it's fake, so... I mean, there's things that disturb me, sure. (laughs) So, you know, horrible, horrible things that happen. It's like, wow, that's, I don't ever want to see that again. But I get it. I mean, there's there's, I've never gotten to the point where I don't want to watch it or I've stopped watching it because
1: of it. Right. Well, I mean, we can go, we can go Eli Roth movies or the Saw franchise, right? I'd argue that the first Saw franchise, really deep plot. Gore, but not as gory as what the franchise becomes, obviously, right?
0: Yeah, they, and yeah, the first one, they left a lot to the imagination. You know, I mean, obviously, they showed you some bad things, but there was a lot of things that they didn't like show you. Like You know, like the guy that was trapped in, like, the razor wire right. box, right? They didn't show the guy getting sliced up by the razor wire. You got to see, like, a you know, the ending of it, but you didn't have to see, watch it happen.
1: Do you... Uh, whereas right. a lot of
0: the later ones, you did get to see everything
1: that happened. Do you, Every single right. death you watched. I mean, do you think that made the movie, I mean, obviously they made eight of them, and the numbers speak for themselves, but I don't know, It, it maybe it's because of our age, maybe it's because of what we grew up with. I really prefer the, the body horror of the 70s, 80s, and 90s more than the torture porn that's out now. I mean, yeah, it looks more realistic nowadays, for the most part, unless you start using CGI blood everywhere for bullets and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the gore factor in the '80s was—I was, like it more than the torch porn that existed for you know the mid aughts right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would prefer it that way too. I mean, oh, I, I think it's more of it because you know, in the in the '80s and even most of the '90s, you can you can tell it's fake, right? You can tell that these things are not real. Um, and I think as things evolve, as things get better, I mean obviously these you know effects guys are are going to get better at their craft, right? I mean, yeah, that's how things work. you know, people build on what people have done before them and and overall, we move forward and everybody gets better. so yeah, I mean, as things get more realistic, I think they can be more dis disturbing and I think it's a big element. you can easily twist that, right you can easily make a lot of people uncomfortable and make a lot of people scared by making you know horrible body horror things happen you know what i mean like making that stuff look as real as possible like you start getting to the level of like you know hostile to where like right it looks pretty real right yeah absolutely so yeah i mean we're at the point where like you know the the blind between you know knowing it's fake and maybe it's real is starting to fade out um and i think that i think that's what's making a lot of people uncomfortable with where it's going now i think that's what it is it's just that the line of that that blur of reality is starting to to move you know right in the wrong direction and again i mean it speaks to their craft i mean they're great at what they do i mean they're these people are doing fantastic amazing things it just you know your brain doesn't want to see that stuff i mean it's an instinctual thing like you know hey this is bad
1: right i mean you do you think i Do you think gore is a way to overwrite the plot? Do you think that they use that for like as we discussed before? Slashers, it's kill after kill, right? You're there to see the body count. You're there to see the unique deaths. Um, and really, you could already slashers have been dead for a long time, and now we're getting more realistic. And and I don't. I feel like sometimes you have gore over plot still, and we've been seeing that for the past forty years you know of, of of fifty years of horror moves at this point, right
0: yeah I mean uh, a lot of a lot of things have been done. I'm not gonna say everything's been done, but I'm saying a lot of things have been done, and a lot of things have been done to death right yeah. I mean there's been so many spin offs and so many terrible terrible b versions of everything that yeah it's been it's been overdone so again it's it's one direction that you can go is to make these things you know gore fests right i mean that's that's one way to go that's you know there's definitely a a, an audience for that um and and you're not going to go wrong there but yeah whether they need to go there i don't know
2: right
1: um you know i just want to briefly discuss we've discussed you know first love and stuff like that you know genre mixes we have black comedies we have sci-fi horror you know do you with i know like so you're you're a big sci-fi fan when it comes mm-hmm. to genre mixes, do you do you like your horror to be more just like straight-up horror, or do you prefer the genre mixes that we have?
0: Um, my very favorites are always mixes, but that's me, <laughs> just because I'm a big sci-fi fan. So, of course, if, if horror movies have elements of sci-fi in it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to gravitate towards them. Now, again... Like we mentioned before, there's a lot of bad ones in space, and I'm not, I don't like those better than the other ones simply because they have sci fi elements. Not at all. I'm just saying when they're done well, done correctly, I usually gravitate more towards those.
1: Now, what about black comedies, though?
0: Um, now, again, <laughs> the horror comedy world, if it's done right, it can be done well. You know, like you have, you know, Evil Dead 2, you know, RB Darkness, These, are the, those are examples of it being done well. Right. Um, I mean, there's, you know, elements of like Fright Night. Right. Like that's, you know, it's got a lot of comedy in it, too. And that's it's done. Well, it's 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 good. Now, when it's done or bad is is when it's self-aware, you know, and it, I'm not saying because it's self-aware, it means it's bad. Not necessarily. I'm just saying most of these you know, bad B movies, they try to be self-aware and they try to make it a joke that they're self-aware and they try to make it as stupid and cheesy as possible to try to get those laughs. Right. Right. And I just think more often than not, I would say 90%, maybe even higher than that of the movies I've seen that try to do that fail. Yes. Miserably. Very, very badly. to the point where, again, if you look at that percentage over 90% of those movies are bad. So when I see a movie that's intentionally trying to be funny, trying to be self-aware, I usually just stay away from it. Does that mean it's bad? No, but is a good chance, a very high chance that it will be.
1: Well, I mean, you know, so there's there's some elements in, in horror movies that have been going on for decades now that, you know, they use a little comedic effect to ease the tension, to get put you into a false sense of security, right? And that's, you know, that's okay, but you have other movies, I, I'd say, since like past seven to ten years. I don't think there's any comedic things in, you know, Hereditary or Midsummer or anything like that. That we're, we're I'm, I think there's a lot more movies coming out now that there's just straight horror and tension without the comedy, just to lighten and you know, that that. You're just in for the ride the entire long haul.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's definitely, you know, two approaches to that. One is like, you know, you try to be very, very serious. And again, that can be done wrong, too. I'm not saying, you know, it's only one way they can be done wrong. It can be done wrong that way, too, is is where they take themselves too seriously. You have like a bad B movie with like a ridiculously cheesy, bad looking monster. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to sell it as super serious. Yeah, of course, it's going to come off as bad. It's going to come off as ridiculous. Like. Uh, you know, of course nobody's going to believe you. Nobody's going to take you seriously, even though you're trying to be serious, nobody's going to take it seriously because it can't be there. So yeah, I mean, a lot of times, especially with B level stuff, you have to try to find that balance, right? You have to try to get a little bit of both. And there and there's movies that have both that do well, you know, I mean, like, uh, you look at like cabin in the woods, right? Yep. Um, they have a lot of comedic elements in there uh, and it, and it does it well, but it evens it out. Right. I mean, there's both. Yeah. And I think it, and I think it does that well. It just, again, it's a, it's a hard medium to find. It, it it's very easy to tip one way or the other too much and do it badly. And I think more often than not, if you try to put too much comedic elements in it, they fail.
1: Do you think it works better when you have someone who writes comedy that tries to write horror, or someone that writes horror try to write comedy? Um. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I personally would probably think the person who writes comedy when they make horror would probably do it better. Right. Because at least, at least they got the comedic stuff down, right? They know that timing. They know, you know, when the jokes are coming, right? They, they understand that stuff, but they're going to try to even it out with the horror stuff. Now the horror guy is going to try to take his horror seriously. He's going to try to take that, too serious and he's going to try to add jokes in there but because he doesn't necessarily know the timing or how the jokes work I think they're going to come off a lot worse so I think I think the comedy guy writing horror is going to be better off than the horror guy writing
1: comedy. I agree with he's that I, I absolutely yeah. agree with that that if you can't do the comedy honestly don't put it in there yeah you know what I mean yeah. go, go for this do tension you don't have to lighten the mood you know all right yeah you want to you want to take over the the next part of our (laughs) (laughs) sure at this
0: point we're just going to kind of go over um some remakes and and reboots um and we're just going to kind of uh put them in, in broad categories whether um they're going to be good um and that is either they're better or at least on the same level as the original that they remade or we're going to go bad, and that means they're going to be worse than the original, okay? So if they're at the same level, they're going to be in the good category. If they're under that, they're going to be in the bad category. And then we have a questionable category, which which I know that we'll have some, some little bit of discussion on simply because, you know, it, it could be uh, one way. It could be the other way. You know, we'll kind of have some discussion. But the, the good and the bad, for the most part, we agree on it. Yeah. Least um okay and we'll just start off with the the good um and we will go with the 1990 version of night of the living dead
1: so you you can i consider a remake because it's almost just like colorized version of night of the living dead wouldn't you agree with that
0: um yeah i mean for the most part it is the same i mean they they go into a little bit more but i mean yeah, they, I mean, the budget that Romero had for the first one was, was nothing, right. right? I mean, that's why they had to just film it in a house with, like, no other outside influence because they had no money to do <laughs> anything else. Um, so, I mean, it just it, it gives you more. You get to see the people, like, you know, hunting the zombies and you get to see, like, how goofy and, you know, hillbilly-ish that they, they got, right? You know, they were like – they had, like, zombie wrestling and, and, and goofy stuff like that. Um, but you also get to see outside a little more, Right. right. Um, I mean, like, the house ends up a little bit differently. I mean, obviously, in the original, um, Ben was the only one who survived, and then he got killed <laughs> because they thought he was a zombie at the end, so that everybody ends up dead. Okay. Sorry, spoilers <laughs> for a 60-year-old movie. Right. right. Uh, um, but then this one is, like, uh, when Ben gets killed, I think the 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 old husband survives in the attic, I think, right? Yeah. And then, and then he gets, he ends up at the, in the bend thing where he gets killed by the guys coming in, but the woman survives. Yep. Barbara survives. Like she actually gets away. Like she actually goes and like escapes into the countryside and she finds these guys. And I believe she's the one that leads them to the house. And then I think, isn't she the one who tells them, Oh yeah, he's a zombie. Kill him. I think i think yeah, it is
1: it's been it's I been a while. It's been, a while it's been
0: a while it's been a while for this one but I, it was it was again at least at the same level obviously the original night of the living dead is a classic is a is a yeah fantastic movie you love the movie but um this one is it's yeah, more or less the same story up until it branches a little bit but i don't think it takes away from it. i think it i think it adds a little something just to give you a little different viewpoint on how the story could have gone and i think i think it did a, a good job of it. I liked
1: it. yeah I, yeah i agree
0: Um, and we'll do The Mummy. Now, there's there's going to be another Mummy <laughs> further down the list here. This is specifically the 1999 Mummy with uh, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> um, and again, I mean, a fantastic movie. I mean, it's... Oh, I, uh, I, 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 would, I think it's better than the original. I don't know about all the other you know, you know hammer horror versions that, that you know <laughs> about that I've never watched. I'm pretty sure it's better than all
1: those. Things. I mean, the Boris Koloff Mummy is is a classic and i think it's a classic for a reason i think this is that be- i think it's good on, or on par for different reasons like don't get me wrong i, yeah. I mean i named one of my kids after evie straight up from this movie mm-hmm. because of this movie right yeah so i like it obviously enough to do that um no i mean it it was we discussed in you know the the list of stuff i, I think it was what more action-packed but it was a good turn for it and you know the sequel was pretty good and let's not discuss the third one
0: <laughs> yeah past that past that we just won't talk right
1: about it. so yeah i mean it's definitely on par just in a different way it, you know it wasn't focused on <laughs> yeah. the mummy necessarily yeah
0: no yeah it had a lot more you know a lot more like action adventure kind of indiana jones mm-hmm. stuff in there um but yeah but i think it adds a little element of fun to it but yeah i think it overall i think it outshines the original yeah uh and then next we'll go the hills have eyes
1: yeah uh i saw this in theaters i know that um <laughs> i i saw it. i don't think I, I don't think i saw this one in theaters
0: i'm pretty sure i did not
1: which i feel like you love the original I like i you know what i mean
0: i do yeah i mean yeah the original is um I mean, I like all those the hill folk uh, horror stories. I love those stories. Right. I mean, because to me, they're a, very terrifying. Right. Appalachian. Very scary. I yes. I mean, like right under giant bugs is hill folk, <laughs> is things that I'm terrified of. So, yeah, th- those are always uh, good for me. So the original, uh, um, I liked, and this one was also good. I mean, it was it was a little bit different. I mean, I think the first one was a little bit more um had a, a little bit more of a like a psychological aspect to it yeah. um you know I, again it was just a little bit more suspenseful i thought it was a little bit more i don't know
1: horror. it was it was, <laughs> it was definitely like the wife can watch the original hill has eyes like she, i don't think mm. she's watched a hill have eyes after we saw it in theaters, you know 15 <laughs> 16 years ago because it's so right. it was as she calls it gross gruesome right that you have pyro right. get his part of his hand chopped off right but you were rooting for him you wanted him to win i felt like that was more there and in, and in the in the remake that there's more of like a triumphant rooting for him than he was getting damaged you're going to in that such situation right I can come out of it unscathed
0: right and they yeah they really had that like mutation aspect of right
1: more so this more and- so I'm-
0: yeah, the original one, I think they really wanted to do that. I just they didn't have the budget for that. You know, so they just kind of picked people that looked weird. <laughs> right. You know, they didn't really have a whole lot of prosthetics or makeup. You know, this guy, like, people that looked odd and different.
1: And well, and that, that guy has a unique look for him, right? Yeah. Yeah, he definitely does. Really, he seemed a really nice guy. Really smart.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> cool guy i mean like in weird science he seemed like like the, the when he like you know calmed down i think that was like his normal stuff yeah. and i think it was yeah. like, a cool guy um but yeah they just got people that looked weird so i think this remake they really had you know the budget to like make them look as mutated and weird as they wanted to and i think that adds a little something special to it i think like i said it's a little bit dumbed down <laughs> um you know they they dumbed down you know the the story elements and they kind of up the um, you know the gore and, and
1: right, the you know the,
0: slasher factor.
1: The hill folk seem more like a wrong turn or the episode of X Files, you know, with mom under the bed, right? <laughs> right. So I think that became the new standard of hill folk in horror movies is that mutated look, yeah, or the inbred yeah. look, if you will, for some of these yeah. things, right? Yeah,
0: but yeah, but slightly uh, different than the original. I mean, obviously, it's more or less a very similar story but you know different from the original in a a slightly different direction but you know at least on the same level yeah as as the original i would say um okay and then we'll move on to suspiria which is uh the remake of the uh, original dario argento who's most say it's his best movie
1: Uh, yes
0: famed italian director now um suspiria i like. The original one, and it's it's kind of interesting because uh, Dakota Johnson is, is the the main character in it, and she gets kind of a real bad rap for the whole Fifty Shades right. <laughs> fiasco <laughs> because she was in all those movies. And I think most people just assume she's a terrible actress because she was in those movies, and I she, she's a fantastic actress in just about everything else she's been in. Other than those movies, which of course she didn't want to be in either, but you can't turn down that kind of money, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, she was fantastic in this movie, and, and the whole thing was was uh, was extremely, extremely. Good. Oh, visually, I mean, who was the uh, visually yeah, who was amazing. the dance instructor Tilda Swinton yep. was was in a, yeah. I mean, yeah, but yeah, visually, I mean, acoustically, it was all it was it was this beautiful, beautifully shot movie, and a very well. I point.
1: I don't think I didn't think they were going to be able to come close to the original. I was pleasantly surprised with this movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, they did great. I mean, obviously, there's you know they're both <laughs> have their place. I mean, you know the, the the you know the original Argento version is definitely not, I would say, outshined. But they're they're both great, just in you know yeah. like, slightly different directions. Agreed. Uh, and then we'll go Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Which one? Nineteen
1: seventy-eight uh, with uh, Donald Sutherland, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, yes.
0: yes, that's the good one. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. I, I mean, right, we've how many of these we have we had now? Because we had Invasion of Bias Matchers, what nineteen ninety-three, and then we had Invasion with Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig. We have the TV show now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, visually. I mean, it's it's almost a colorized version of the original. We had the original guy from the, the 1968 63. Um, he was the crazy guy in the street in the 1978 one. So they had a good little cameo in there from him. Right.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, definitely the first Jeff Goldblum movie I saw. It was not one of, not one of his first.
0: Um, I mean, I didn't see, this Was I mean, this is the one chronologically that he did first that I've seen. Uh, but obviously I, I think I saw, I think, I'm pretty sure I saw the fly, okay.
1: which is also, it's
0: a little further down.
1: But definitely, definitely a good, you know, upbringing. I think it's the like it ingrained into, or as we discussed, you know, ingrained society that this version is really what made it for a lot of and that most people think of invasion of the body snatchers they think of scenes from this movie
0: right um and the next on the list we're yeah we're still on the good list yep. the next on this list is the crazies the 2010 remake of God. the romero classic love
1: this movie i love both versions <laughs> it, of this movie
0: yeah both versions are very good i mean they're both i mean different and in, in their own ways but again they're both different again this one um does kind of the same thing that host have eyes does is it it uh, not necessarily dumbs down because i mean the plot wasn't there wasn't a whole lot there to begin with um but it, it just kind of ups the gore yeah. and and, <laughs> and, 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 and kind of you know goes a little bit lighter on the, on the story and plot but again but it does it in a in a good way it doesn't
1: it, it well. modernizes it i feel pretty mm-hmm. well to the point where I Yeah, it doesn't necessarily overshadow, but it's really on par with it. And, you know, the contagion, like, set this 10 years later from this one. I mean, it still <laughs> hold its spot, right? If we made it in 2020, mm-hmm. 2021, 2022, it might be even more interesting if we did it now, you know, COVID, all that stuff, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think people are a little bit more, you know, cognizant of <laughs> disease and, and what it can do to people. Now.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, like I said, love both movies in the end.
0: Agreed. Uh, and the next one on the list is The Invisible Man, the twenty twenty version.
1: Ah, oh, man, this this I, this had no right being as good as it was. I didn't think it was going to be. It, it, it discussed the dark, failed dark universe. I had low expectations for this. I mean, look good, and it it delivered. It really delivered.
0: It really did, you know. And now that I think about, it, now that I'm looking at it, um, this would also fit into the um, horror turning sci-fi story, absolutely, as well, right? Yeah. Because you know, like at first you just think like, oh, she's going crazy or something, right? There's no possible way that like this dude <laughs> is following her around and then, like because she, you know, keeps thinking that he's there when he's not. Um, And then you don't find out until later on that, like, oh, he's a scientist, you know, that knows how to like bend light and all this goofy, crazy stuff, right? And you figure out that he actually has a suit that makes him invisible. I and mean, then you don't find that out until later. Right.
1: But um, but yeah, no, I, I think it would fit in. I, I mean, like I said, the original, classic, classic. But, you know, we're looking at something almost 75 years later and did it better. Yep. It really, like, it's, I, I'm excited for more. Bloom House, dark, you know, last universal monster creations they are coming out. It, it made me hopeful for this genre to come back.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, definitely. I mean, I, I know we discussed, you know, possibly moving this into another, like, you know, shared universe. I really hope they do. But yeah, I mean, if, it, if this is the, the first step in that direction, I'm up. Yeah. The um, next we'll go for 13 Ghosts. With the one and the three in 2001
1: and that it it's it, this is I think the second entry into the Dark castle productions world and you know this this movie along with something you know or a couple moves down on this list, for me it's impeccable it's the the ghosts re- re- very reminiscent of Cenobites to me and this one.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, again, and that it's what really sells this movie is, of course, the visuals. I mean, uh, the, the 13 ghosts are, they all have, they're all very unique, right? They all have their, their own kind of look and, you know, their own kind of, uh, story and, you know, they're all trapped in like those glass walls yep. of the house and everything is shifting and moving. And it's, it's, it's a very visually, you know, just good looking movie. Um, obviously, which is, you know, an a, one up from the original yeah original
1: Um, vince was a vincent price 60s yeah
0: yeah, right um and again again it it does what most of these newer remakes on this list are doing where it kind of like goes a little bit lighter on the story not bad you know to the point where you don't know what's going on but it but it ups that that visual aspect of it right because of course at this point we have a lot better effects than they did back in the 60s and, and 70s and even 80s at this at that point um to where you can you know really make things look Interesting, and I and I, what's cool about this is is they did it. Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of digital stuff there, but they did enough of it and with practical effects to where it still looks pretty right. good today.
1: And the uh, uh, the ghost with the saw blades coming out of him was one of the creatures mm-hmm. in Cabin in the Woods in the one of those cells. Nice. <laughs> I was excited when I saw that. I'm like, oh man! <laughs> but surprisingly, you know, a lot of people rag him in this movie. I feel really. Uh, just didn't like uh uh the the lawyer Alexia you know from, from Buffy they didn't like him in it they didn't like no. you know Shannon Elizabeth in it Tony Schlub they had Matthew Lillard in it i thought it was just a really well put together movie
0: yeah and I, again I, I think it I, I think those people being in it kind of grounded it a little bit like i said you know brought the plot down a little bit um, you know, from from the old one, but again, they they were heavy on that stuff back then because they had to be, right? Did, you know, the visuals were, were nothing to be that were going to wow people with, it. right? Um, but yeah, no, I think it, um, I think they did a good job with that. One. I like
2: that. Yeah.
0: Um, and next on the list is the Blob, which came out in 1988. Now, when I first saw this as a kid, I remember this is one of the first horror movies I can remember watching as a kid. Like at me going and renting and being excited to watch oh, wow. was the blob. Like right when it first came out. Um and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um but I didn't see the original one until years later. Um and I was very disappointed when I watched the original one. But that was just because, you know, I I watched this one, you know, when I was what, ten. Yeah. Um so, I mean, obviously you go back then and you can tell it's freaking jello, you know, or you can tell it's, you know, you know, whatever, like you want peanut butter being squished through it. You know what? I mean, it's, it just, it doesn't look scary at all. And the acting is kind of goofy.
1: Steve I mean, McQueen, the 35 year old teenager. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the original is, is not all that stellar. I mean, obviously it was, you know, good enough to, you know, be one of the, the classic horror movies to be remade. Um, but I would say overall, I would say this blob is better than
1: the original. I, I I recall reading or hearing that this was one of the first horror movies that killed a kid. Like, it showed the death of a kid when they're like in the sewer with it. The little mm-hmm. boy that got killed, like melted in it.
0: That yeah, was like a, everybody got killed.
1: Yeah, I mean that was, but that was a big thing that happened in this movie. And I'm honestly surprised this hasn't been remade since then.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's still good. I mean, it holds up pretty well. I mean, the effects are not great, but I mean, the story itself holds up
1: better well. than the stuff.
0: <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> That's correct. <laughs> that is correct. Um, next, we'll have Dawn of the Dead in 2004 um, now, this one is is good. I mean, obviously, it goes in a, a lot different direction from from the original one. Uh, but I mean, they still share that they're living in a mall, yep. right? I mean, they, they have that. Um, but, I mean, the original Dawn of the Dead is is what? There's three characters, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's two guys and a girl. And then this version of Dawn of the Dead, there's a whole bunch of people. I mean, there's like, well, I don't know, what, 10, 12 people? Yeah. I mean, there's quite a few of them. Um, and so there's a lot of like sub stories being told. Um, there's a lot of like back and forth. I mean, you got the guy that's like across the street that they're communicating the chalkboard, with chalkboard. Like, yeah. With chalkboard. I mean, there's so many more interesting things going on. The original Daughter is great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's one of my very favorite zombie movies. You know, I mean, it's got <laughs> goofy effects. I always just think of that the guy that gets its head chopped by the helicopter. Yep and how ridiculously large his head oh, was yeah. before that point. Um, also, my, my other favorite one is when, in the very beginning of the movie, um, when the guy kicks down the door and the guy's standing there and he just shoots him in the face with his shotgun, um, and it's obviously just a watermelon exploding yep. i mean it's <laughs> it looks looks nothing like a human head it's a watermelon, and yeah. it's very funny but i mean overall it's still a good movie this story is great but this one it just it goes in a slightly different direction i mean it has a lot of the same elements but it goes in a totally different direction obviously the ending is is way different right um you know instead of fighting the 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 biker gang they end up like building like a death bus yep. and trying to like escape and stuff and it goes in a, in a totally different direction i mean obviously there's enough similarities to where it can it could be that um and i guess it, it really does does stand well on its own i think it's just a good movie on its own you know i think they're both great and i think they both have their place and i think i think this one is on even ground yes yeah. it's definitely
1: i special. mean this was the the kickstart of the new of the dead that line that we got right do you feel like they missed the mark of not doing the Living Dead first?
0: Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, the hard part is like you know if they redid it again it's like they they're gonna have uh, you know flashbacks to when they lost the copyright the first time. I don't know. I think I think they just wanted to kind of move on from that. I think they just wanted to uh, to to do something else. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think Romero was well, he wasn't directly involved in Dawn of the Dead, was he? This new one, yeah. Pretty sure. I know you like executive producer. Oh, sure
1: it I'm pretty sure it's still George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead. And, and then it's George a. Romero's uh, Land of the Dead. and they did
0: Well yeah, and I know after yeah. after this, I know that he was back on the of the dead train. Okay. And I know he did all the rest of them after that. Just this one, I don't know if he was if he actually directed, directed uh, I'd have, directed have
1: to look it to up. The other ones. That's a good yeah, question. I don't know. it's still <laughs> good though. I saw <laughs> I saw it this in theaters too. So <laughs>
0: um no i don't think i did. I think at the yeah, dawn of the dead i was because I mean, basically i if it's after like 2008 i saw it in the theater because i saw basically everything in the theater for a, for a while there um but if it's before 2008 it's a good chance i probably didn't see it unless it was like a you know a movie that i would really be into which was almost all sci-fi stuff, right so. um okay uh, so moving on we got house on haunted hill 1999
1: oh man wasn't old enough to go see this one in theaters. <laughs> because I have uh-huh. very, very strict parents. Uh, if I was under 17, not allowed to go see it. Um, however, as we discussed before, Jeffrey Rush, amazing Vincent Price. I mean, I love the original House on Haunted Hill. I think it's a great story. You know, And it was not supernatural in any way, just aspect of it, but this went pure supernatural at the end. Right, I I mean yeah. it was um, I thought it was an amazing movie. It was one of my favorite movies. I mean, yeah. I mean, he
0: also pulls off that that creepy uh, Vincent Price pencil mustache, oh, yeah. like that weird John Waters yeah. mustache. Yeah. <laughs> he pulls he pulls it off fairly well. I think that's what the big part of selling him as Vincent Price. I think
1: yeah, is that mustache. And like I said, that's the first thing I recall seeing from the the Dark House productions that really put on the map from like you know what? Yeah, I I, I they can keep doing this. I'm gonna stick with them. (laughs) Uh well
0: move on to your your favorite franchise, and this is the Evil Dead uh, in 2013, which is not necessarily well, I guess Uh, it's it's a uh, right. I mean
1: (laughs) I am gonna it's it's in my eyes in Fetty Hover's eyes, it is a sequel because it's not even the same characters. Yes, it's the same cabin, but that's the only similarities that it is.
0: It has the same name. That's a pretty big well,
1: Right. But uh-huh. but because of Bruce Campbell's cameos, Ash at the end, and the you know failed plans that came from it was, it was just another story in the universe, which we're going to get with you know Evil Dead Rise is just another story in that universe. And because of that, I'm lumping it into a more of a, reboot than a remake for me personally you know we got a different character and yeah mia was supposed to be the next ash with you know her hand being you know not even chopped off but like slid off (laughs) from the car Hmm. right i mean this really really increased the gore factor to the point where the wife would not watch this she has not watched this because at at all? all because, especially in the previews, with her taking that razor blade and, like, slicing her tongue in half, um, uh, yeah, it was too much for her. I thought it was a fantastic movie. I did not get to go see this in theaters. I'm very disappointed I didn't get to. I did.
0: Again, it's after 2008. It's <laughs> after 2008. I probably saw in the theater. So, yes, I did see this in the theater, and it was great, yes.
1: Uh, My wife was very pregnant when this came out, so... She wasn't going to go see it <laughs> at all. So I was going to have to find someone <laughs> or I was going to go see it by myself, but I was not able to. Um, So unfortunately I didn't, I'm hoping that Evil rise gets the theories that we can, we'll do the Evler franchise more when we get to that movie. Evil rises. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um Okay. And so next we'll do the thing, the 1982 version of the thing, which is it's almost, Every list that ever comes up with with uh, reboots, remakes, it's always number one. Um, which is, I mean, obviously this far outshines oh, yes. the original. I mean, the original is is more of your kind of classic, you know, monster of the week feature, kind feature. of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very generic, basic movie, and this just, I mean, blows it away. I mean, it just adds so many new elements and so much. I mean just you know master class in filmmaking right <laughs> that that, that it took to make this movie it's you know head and shoulders above the
1: original. well we we're, were here 40 years later and people are still discussing the ending and mm-hmm. what it means their take on it and that was just it was i wouldn't call it good i'd call it a bad ending just because it's bad you bad is not you know you don't know good well, doesn't okay. win necessarily yeah. you don't know
0: what's what's the what's the best version of that ending they're both human, which means they freeze to death. You know, I mean, that's that's the best version of that ending, right? Right, And then uh, any of the other endings is variations on who is the thing, right? right? So it gets worse, obviously, because they could potentially survive and then infect the rest of humanity right. if they don't freeze to death first. But the best version of that is they're both human and they slowly freeze to death. But, so yes, it's a bad ending no matter how you look.
1: It. I mean, yeah, 40 years later, we're still discussing who's the thing, if any of them. And that was, but yes, I love
0: I love bad endings, and that's
1: a good yes, yeah, far superior to the the thing from another world.
0: <laughs> yes, I think everybody agrees with <laughs> that one. But yes, um, uh, next on the list will be uh, the one we mentioned a little bit earlier: will be the Fly, the 1986 version of the Fly, done by uh, David Cronenberg, starring Jeff Gold and Gina Davis. And Gina Davis, yes, of course, Gina Davis. In,
1: in 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 my head, and we're going to discuss Cronenberg movies at some point in the list. This is the most cohesive Cronenberg movie. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, sure, I mean, sure, I'll I'll give you that. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, he's not he's not as bad as some other filmmakers who shall remain nameless Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah, he does have a little bit of ambiguity in his work. I won't, I won't deny that, but I I like that. I think that's interesting. But uh, um, the
1: entirety of it, you really felt like Jeff Goldblum's character was turning into the fly.
0: Right. Yeah. And they do a, they do a great job showing that that evolution and that kind of, you know, weird, like, you know, desperate <laughs> level that he was at of of trying to, like, you know, fix himself and then embracing what he was and then ultimately, you know, giving up. Right.
1: Right. No, I mean, I mean, it's a he turns into giant insect. How do you you don't like that? So, is, are you okay with that at the end? Um, yeah, I mean, again,
0: you know, getting to the point where, um, you understand that everything you thought was going well is now terrible, and you need to end it. I mean, I think that's it's good. It sucks that gina davis had to do that because he was unable to do it himself i think that's right um but i think that was ultimately a, a big show of of love on her part to do that for him right um so i think i mean ultimately it, i mean yeah it's basically a bad ending yeah. right i mean there's there's nothing really good about that, which is why i probably like it And we won't, yeah. we won't discuss
1: the sequel to this either
0: <laughs> <laughs> no no Um, but yeah, I mean, very, very interesting, but again, way better than the original. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now (laughs) that's the end of the good list. Now we get to go into the bad list. And this is, these are all ones that, that, um, that we, or at least I am considering worse than the original. Um, and we will start it off with Pet Cemetery, the 2019 version. Now, I really, I mean, I really wanted to like this movie. I mean, John Lithgow was in it, right? I oh, yeah. John Lithgow. I was, I was really having high hopes for this movie, and man, it was bad. It just hurt to watch. I mean, it was one of those movies that I was just, you know, I was doing something else by the time the movie was over. Like I just, I didn't want it to be around anymore. I wanted it to end.
1: Um, yeah, just, just, just terribly. I bad. mean, yeah, John Lithgow, the guy who played John Connor. And... which Terminator? With, with, uh, Amelia, with Amelia Clark? Oh, Is yeah. Genesis? Genesis, yeah. yeah Genesis, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, they... I mean, we call it a remake because it's just the source material. I don't know if it's necessarily rebooting or remaking the 1988 one, but, like, okay, we can all agree that Gage was awful in the 1981 yes. and they didn't
0: awful meaning scary terrible <laughs> oh,
1: I mean that too but that as kid actor he was like three you know can't expect it but it, it's just weird that they changed the plot of which kid get hit by the truck right like that's a weird thing to change
0: I think they were just trying to I mean I think that part of it they were just trying to shake it up a little so you didn't Quite expect that,
1: right? right? But I mean, this—I mean—and then if you want to go off the the nineteen eighty-eight one, is it's it's very—it's left very ambiguous. You don't know, especially with the actual director's cut, right? What happens at the end? They just took it like extra what ten minutes after that scene, which was weird. That you know he gets killed and he gets buried, and then they go after you know. So it's the wife him and the daughter going after the son, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, what, what was your, it was just so disinteresting for you.
0: Yeah. It was just, again, it's just one of those movies that you're watching it and it just, it's just not done well to the point where, you know, if I'm thinking about doing something else, like if I'm thinking, Oh, I should look this up on the internet while I'm watching a movie. It's a bad, yeah. I mean, that's just, the way it is i'm not intentionally trying to get away from it it just my brain is trying to shut it down it's like okay this is terrible you don't need to watch this thing agreed um so yeah so that's yeah by the end of it i wasn't even paying that much of attention i think i was dozing off by the end of this which i never do i never i never sleep during a movie unless it's horrible. yeah um but yeah both agree terrible movie. uh next on the list will be the much maligned uh a Nightmare on Elm Street, the new version done in 2010 with our friend Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy Krueger.
1: We we can get into this a lot more when we talk about the franchise. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? Um, yeah, I mean, this movie, it doesn't... I mean, yeah, I, again, we'll get into this more, but yeah, it gets into stuff that doesn't necessarily need to get into. Um, it, it, it twists hard on the whole, you know... Um, molesting kids angle which again is it wasn't really i mean it was kind of insinuated but not discussed in the originals. Right. um but again it, it brought it to a a weird place i mean i, I again, i can't describe how odd it is that like the two characters find the weird room that they were molested in as children and then like decide that that's the time to get it yep. on like i don't I don't understand that. Like, I mean, what person's mind would go there, especially with somebody like chasing you, you know, like some, some person is potentially trying to kill you, murder you. I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, this whole, this whole movie does it. I mean, it upsets a lot of, you know, horror purist people, obviously because it, it, focuses on things that weren't even discussed again mm-hmm. fair to be insinuated in the original but weren't discussed in the original yeah this um, is and, it, and it, it basically focused hard on that i mean that was basically what the movie was about
1: and it did so well we got how many sequels from it oh right none <laughs>
0: <laughs> right yeah, i mean it, it shut bring, it down bring
1: it, it bring it, it back down. and then just go <laughs> and i was nope.
0: <laughs> yeah i was excited for it because this was like right after Watchmen. yeah right um, and Jackie Earl Haley, I was like, he did such a fantastic job in the watchman. I was like, oh, you know, he's going to be, I think his career is going to be going in a really cool direction now. And that's where he's going to go. I had high hopes that he was going to pull it off. And I think he did a passable job. I just think it was the overall story that they put in it. I mean, obviously that, you know, I mean, Robert Englund wasn't involved. I mean, he's still around. He's still acting, obviously still willing to do Freddy Krueger. I don't know why. He wasn't involved. It's a, it's,
1: a, it's hard shoes to fill, which was already had going against him, and then just yeah, the choices in the movie yeah. that were made for it.
0: Yeah, and again, I don't think he did that bad of a job. I don't think he outshined you know Robert. This, no. I don't think you know. Yeah, I don't think he did that. I don't think he did too bad of a job though. I think it was just the the elements that the movie focused on was was just totally odd considering where it came from. And that I just don't think it was a faithful representation of it. Agreed.
1: So overall, yeah. just bad. Agreed.
0: Um. Next on the list, I have the 2000 version of 2000, Sorry, 2015 version of Poltergeist, which I will be honest and say I didn't even know there was a 2015 version. Well, I of saw it in tears. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> um, but I did not see it. I did not even know it existed. Um. But I've heard it's very, very bad. I'll let you discuss. Uh,
1: I mean, the, the original is so iconic, right? Um, and it, it, it's just because it's stuff we're here with now. I, you know, didn't see the first three in the theaters. But I had really high hopes. And it was an okay adaptation. I don't think it was a necessary movie to necessarily be made. Um, It just didn't bring anything new or different or exciting. Pretty pre-generic movie for a Poltergeist movie, quite honestly. Um, I, I just, I I, would, I couldn't tell you where they could have done any better. It, was, it almost seemed like it just a re- complete retelling. Just worse.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, but, I, but again, Poltergeist is one of those movies that everybody right. knows, right? I mean, the original is a classic. It's still a classic. It's not like people don't know about it. <laughs> I mean, people still know about it a lot. People, It's still discussed in like every horror circle, so I don't understand why you think it I mean, I guess that could go for a lot of things.
1: Obviously. Well, I, I, I would argue that just kind of like Nightmare Elm Street, it didn't have to be a retelling or a remake. It could have been, obviously, the, the girl that played Caroline the Dead, but it could have been just the same house, but different people. It didn't have to be the same story. Which... We see on a lot of, yeah,
0: it could have easily been. Yeah, it could have easily been a, you know, another story told in the same world.
1: But yeah, explore the universe.
0: It's fair. Uh, And then next on the list, we'll go the 1998 Vince Vaughn Psycho, which I honestly, again, I don't know why this exists. No one can really understand why this movie exists. Everybody thought he was going to, you know, redo it. You know, like, you know, kind of put a modern spin on it, remake it. I mean, so many movies have been remade, yeah. right? Um, and it was essentially just a shot-for-shot shot remake. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's literally all it mm-hmm. was. I mean, th- there was nothing added. It was the exact same movie, just done with modern, like, people and equipment. That's it. There's, yeah, nobody quite understood why it came out. Like, no one got it. Uh, from what I understand, it's it's technically good. Um, I mean, I, I I'm not saying good isn't a good film. A good isn't made well. Um, but again, pointless. Like, what? Why are you retelling the same story? Everybody knows Psycho. Psycho is a, a a very classic movie. It's a Hitchcock movie.
1: Everybody knows. Well, it. I'm just maybe they were losing the rights because we had Psycho 1960. We had Psycho two like 1983 or something like that. And it's only a few years before this that Psycho Four came out. So it almost made more sense to been number five.
0: From from what I understand, it was like Vince Vaughn's like baby. Yeah. Like this that was the thing like he wanted to do since he got into filmmaking. Right. And again, that's why everybody was like excited that he was gonna do something fresh and new and interesting, because Vince Vaughn was pretty big at that yeah. time. Um and they're like this, like essentially, that like, just killed his career because it was like, what? That's he just remade the original movie. He didn't do anything else. There's nothing fresh right. here. Uh, yeah, very. Excuse me. Obviously, he's still acting, but I was saying, like, as far as being seen as like a, a serious actor or a serious filmmaker, I think this kind of killed. That.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um. Okay. The next on the list we have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> the The living meme that is the Wicker Man in 2006. Um, now, this movie is, I mean, if you just watch, like, the last 20 minutes of the movie, it is, like, a straight wacky comedy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, like, it, who knows what's going on? I mean, Nicolas Cage is in, like, a bear suit, like, punching old ladies mm-hmm. and stuff. I mean, it's like, what is going on? And then he's screaming about the bees. I mean, it it's it's so bad it's good but that's only if you watch the first 20 minutes of it the problem is you have to get through like the hour over hour before that point which is just like boring i mean there's like nothing going on it's so pointless
1: so saw this in theaters
0: <laughs> oh i did not know. see this is before 2008 i did not see this in.
1: i did not finish it in the theater <laughs>
0: Wow, you actually left? Uh, <laughs> so you missed the good parts?
1: <laughs> is okay, so either the wife, then girlfriend, was that disinterested in it or she was sick. I don't remember which one, but I know I did not finish it in the theater. It's one of the few movies I saw that I've been to theater. That I just I I like we walked out. I don't think it was it was not my my choosing, I wanted to see how it ended because I paid for it. <laughs> Um (laughs) right. It doesn't hold a candle to the wicker tree. Right? Because that's what's remaking Wicker Tree.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't I don't I didn't watch the original. I've just seen this one. And I I don't again, I don't you don't have to
1: watch the original
0: to know this one is bad. It's just a bad movie. Yeah. It is terrible. Like I said the last part of it is only goofy out of context. If you like actually know what's happening in the movie, it's not all that funny. But if you watch it out of context, it is genuine. Oh, absolutely!
1: Really, really downplays um, the the whole island aspect. You know, foreign visitor to island cult, right? <laughs> right. Which is a trope now. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Next on the list will be the 2005 version of the fog, uh, which I again I don't know why this was made. It doesn't. I don't understand. Like the fog, you know, is is a classic John Carpenter movie. I guess it's not one of his bigger movies, but I mean, it's still a John Carpenter movie. Oh yeah. Right? Um. So like, as to why this got remade, I don't, I don't know. Uh,
1: it wasn't less, good. Less fog, so you're able to see more. There is <laughs> oh, it was less foggy yes. because <laughs> it was artificial fogs therefore they're able to control a little bit more.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: I uh, saw this in tears. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah i did again it's before 2008 i did not I
1: see a lot of movies horror movies in the theaters you can't tell um especially early if it's after
0: 2008 i might be on par with you but before then no nope.
1: yeah no reason for it it was it wasn't even it was, it was a remake unnecessarily remake wasn't even adding to the story just go watch the the Tom Atkins, Jamie <laughs> Lee Curtis one instead.
0: Yeah, the original one is a oh, great yeah. movie. It's it's John Carpenter made it fantastic. I don't even know why this nope. exists. Um, but yeah, it's a failure. That's why it's on the bad list. Yes. Um, <laughs> next on the list we will have the 2019 version of Child's Play. I well,
1: know this one's your favorite. <laughs> You know, it almost makes makes me regret having Chucky on my tat- or tattoo or tattoos like that bad. Um, I mean, obviously, it did horrible because well, we now have Chucky the TV show, which is season two is coming out in a couple of weeks, and it's the only thing that deals with child's play or Chucky that Don Mancini was not part of, and it shows. Like he's done, he's done everything. Except for this one, since the original um, Child's Play, uh, I understand they're trying to modernize it with it just AI gone bad, which clearly is not the essence of Child's Play.
0: Yeah, but again, it's I don't understand why you know like this is like like Chucky. The story is was still going. I mean, at that point, I mean they had made a movie in a couple of years, but I mean. They'd made one in that decade.
1: Right? Uh, no, they made one the year before. Yeah. So,
0: so I mean, again, like if it if this if it's still going, if if they're still making those movies, obviously they're doing you know well enough, right? So why are you? Why would you remake reboot it? There was yeah when the original timeline <laughs> is still going. I don't understand. If it's a dead franchise, I get that, right? But like, it's not. It's it's still going. I don't understand why why you. Um, whatever, I don't get it. It's bad. They were so, gonna have separate things. They were gonna
1: have the original timeline, and they were gonna have this. The idea was two separate things. Well, that's not a case anymore. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you're gonna do that, why steal the original name? If you if you want to do a different thing, then do a different thing. Name it right. something different. Yeah, I don't get oh. it. I mean, I know you're just you're trying you're trying <sighs> to steal fandom from that name. You're trying to get people to get name recognition to work for you. I get that. But if you're not gonna stay true to the original, what's the point?
1: I mean and I mean Mark Hamill did a good job with it. I mean, he's no Brad Durf. I mean he's also a voice actor, but Brad Durf's voice is so iconic, it's hard to choose a fill. And I understand not getting Brad Durf involved so you want to have it your own separate thing. But yeah, to reboot a franchise when it is in the middle of an existing franchise zero sense. Right. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, and then
0: we'll move on to Carrie. Now, I'm going to put in the both the 2002 and 2013 versions in here. Um, I know the 2002 version, I believe, was like, wasn't it like it was a made-for-TV yes. movie or something? Yes. Um, but I, re- I, I, mean, I remember it coming out on video as if it was like a straight-to-video movie. I, I don't think I realized it was a television movie at that
1: time. It was around the same time frame as what the the shining tv series and then we got the oh storm of the century series from stephen king this is kind of went into that line of stephen king tv mini series that we're getting remakes of at that point okay i get that for a reason
0: um (laughs) yeah but yeah i I rented it from um you know from i think yeah because in 2002 i'm pretty sure i was still going to the video store um, so i'm pretty sure i rented it from the video store assuming that it was just a new carrie movie i didn't know it was made for tv anyway and it was not no. great um and then this 2013 version
1: um was again rats, right?
0: not yeah chloe grace, grace yeah Barrettes, whatever yeah, yeah um and that, that was not good either i think I, I know the reason why she took the role i believe she took the role to try to like age herself as an actress yeah. you know what I mean I, th- I think she was trying to get out of that like kid realm that she had right. been in previous to this and I think I'd, I'm pretty sure that she was trying to use this to try to move forward as like a, a woman instead of a girl and I get that but it's still just a bad movie it's still, it still doesn't hold a candle to the original Sissy no! I mean that's yeah I mean that was it was done great the first time I don't think it needs to be improved on that they've tried twice they failed twice um
1: even with carry two yeah. the rage? So just let
0: it go <laughs> <laughs> i mean at least it had the original people right. in it i mean <laughs> that's all i can say about that but i mean yeah the original carry was done great i, I don't know why they're trying to remake it yeah but they are and they failed. <laughs> <it>. so <laughs> they're both on this list um, and then at the end of this bad list, we're going to have The Mummy, the 2017 Tom Cruise version of The Mummy.
1: Yeah, we briefly discussed this on the failed Dark Universe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why they're trying to do it, but it's like the third attempt on the startup of the universe. Um, And just... Tom Cruise is not meant for the Dark Universe. I, he's too action-oriented. And it was trying to be is almost trying to be like a combination of the original and Brendan Fraser's.
0: Well, yeah, I think and that's what they were trying to do, is, is they couldn't, I don't I think they couldn't ignore the Brendan Fraser version because it's so iconic at that point. Right? I mean, when people hear the mummy, that's what they think of. I mean, I'd say modern audiences probably don't even think of the old Boris Karloff version anymore, right? right?
1: Except that's the one we know. That's ingrained into. Our, <laughs> well, that's into the. I mean,
0: that's the classic. Yeah, if you're if you know classic horror, yes, <laughs> then then you know. Um, but I would say you know most people when they think of the mummy, are going to think of the Brendan
1: Fraser. Version. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, but yeah, it's terrible. I mean, there was the whole funny trailer thing. I don't think it ever really lived that down. No. Um, and it, it wasn't good enough to outshine the joke. Um, so yeah, it just it just failed miserably. Um, I mean, I didn't even watch it, and I don't need to watch it. I watched
1: it, it once, I that was twice too many times. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: again, I was like on the fence whether I should watch it or not, you know, as like a... a, a, a uh, a learning how bad movies can be kind of thing. And I just decided against it.
1: And I don't think. It no, you did not miss anything.
0: Okay. So that wraps up our bad list. Now we're going to go into the questionable <laughs> list, uh, which may be debatable uh, for a lot of people. There's a debate here um, between uh, graveyard and I, there may be a debate here yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, and that's okay. But that's why they're in this questionable place. We're not going to call them good. We're not going to call them bad. We're just going to say that they're here. Um, and the first one in on that list would be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 2003 version with Jessica Biel.
1: We're looking um, at what? I, Forty? No, how many years? that Chainsaw was 1973, 72, 75, something sure. like that. So,
0: well, yeah, well, yeah, we'll give it what? Let's uh, say, let's 30, say close to 30, 30
1: anniversary, right? Yeah, yeah. Arlie Emery was great. That was about it.
0: (laughs) Jessica Biel looked very good in her jeans, I will say
1: that. Yes, and something we discussed before is, I mean, what, the one before this was The Next Generation with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, which partially killed the franchise at that point in
2: 1994.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't, like I said, Arlie Emery was great as the sheriff the dad right i thought he did a great job in the movie uh it doesn't live up to it as we discussed before you don't really see it's the illusion of the chainsaw right i feel when we got to like text chainsaw two and three that we got more violent we were more graphic in the depiction of the chainsaw Mm -hmm. um and because well after this we had the beginning which we are then had a prequel to the movie that was remade with Arlie leader oh, right. again, and it was, you know, going to kick off seemingly his attempt at a reboot of or revival, or you want to call it a text chainsaw massacre, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw, I saw this in tears. <laughs> <All right>. um, <laughs> I did not. Uh, I'm trying to think that's the beginning, like. You know, after we have to go rewatch *Texas Chainsaw Massacre*. Like, I, I love the original a lot. I know you like number two a lot. I haven't watched it enough, Um, but this isn't something I go back to. This isn't something I go back and rewatch. I, I would rather rewatch the original Text Chainsaw Massacre*.
0: Um, and that's fair. I mean, the original *Texas Chainsaw Massacre* is it's it's a great movie. It's a fantastic movie, and I will say this movie probably doesn't live up to that but i think it's 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 close it's it technically if by our categories as we mentioned before i said technically it would be in the bad category but i don't think it's it's far down in that list i think yeah be more towards the top and it's basically i mean the way i see it is it did the same thing that a lot of movies on this dead list is is they you know kind of cut back a little bit on the story and just up the gore um and they they i think they went into a little bit more of you know, like, of how, like, gruesome the house was, how, like, you know, terrible they were treated just as, like, meat mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which all these things were, were insinuated and, and, you know, kind of um uh, mentioned, yeah, like, I guess I like, insinuated in, in the first one. Um, but, it, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, you know, butchering right. you know, with the chainsaw or, like, you know, serious gore or injuring in the original. Um and this one does have that. And I think again, it just kinda of pulls back on the plot a bit. Um, but it but ups that door. But it also um like I said, I think it it adds just a little bit of of kind of wackiness to it. Um that kind of in the original series didn't really come in hard until the second right. one. Um that's when you had a little bit of that wackiness to it. And I think like I said, I think Texas Changel Massacre two is probably my favorite one. Just because of it has that goofiness to it, um, and I think it, it does it extremely well. Where right? it doesn't come off as like comic jokiness, it just comes off as these people are extremely weird, right, right. This very odd,
2: piece. yeah.
0: Um, and I think they kind of tried to throw that in a little bit um, into, into this version of it, it just a darker version. But again, I don't think it quite lives up to the original. Um, but it does do enough for me. Where
1: was this the, the beginning movie. of Platinum Dune, Michael Bay's attempt at remaking all the slashers? I feel like this was. I know Probably. the next <laughs> one on the list is. I know uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was as well. Yeah.
0: Um, well, yeah, we'll just jump yeah. right the next one. The next one is Friday the 13th, the 2009 version. Um, and I think both you and I are in agreement that this is a, a good yeah. movie um it's just a lot of the horror community seems to think it is not a good movie um i i, I saw a lot of it on the uh worst remakes lists which i thought was odd because again i liked it i've had discussions with you about yeah. it you liked it I, which was just weird to me that a lot of people thought it was bad but i did see it on the list which is again why it's. In i this don't question. know if
1: i even consider this a remake or reboot or just a sequel quite honestly because if you wanted to call it a remake you could say it summarizes Friday the Thirteenth one through four, right?
0: Well, I think that's what it is. I think this is the cliff notes version of the story for everybody trying to get into the franchise. I really think that's what this is. This is like, here's
1: the story so far. Right.
0: Now we can move on from here. Is really what I think it is. But I, it does right. it well. I think it's. Oh, I don't disagree. It's a good movie. Yeah. I mean, you don't, I mean, yeah. you
1: know that Pamela Voorhees is decapitated. You know that. You know, Jason wears a bag and he gets the hockey mask and then he, quote, dies, right? That's one through four mm-hmm. in a nutshell. It really is. <laughs> right. It goes through, right. you know, right. where it started, where he got the mask, and now he's a unstoppable killing champ. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I like it. it it's, yeah. it's, I, when I, when I rewatch these, like cause I rewatch these when Friday the 13th comes out, all of them in a, at a time, <laughs> um, that, I, I look forward, and I'm like, alright, I have Jason Goes to Hell, which is not that great a movie, then I have to go sit through Jason X, <laughs> and then I'm like, alright, Then I can get back to what it was. I think this did justice to the Friday the 13th franchise. I think it was a solid entry into it, by far.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, I thought it was good. Um, but again, I, I saw a lot of lists put it on the bad, so I'm going to put it in this category just because... <laughs> seems to fit there um okay and then the next one i'm gonna keep it short (laughs) um the next one is the 2007 rob zombies halloween now um we've already discussed this previous to this Uh, i'm gonna keep it very short one is um it adds a lot of background and human elements to michael myers which a lot of people especially the the horror uh, purist community does not Mm -hmm. like um I like it. I think it's good that there's, you know, a human element and a backstory to it. I know that you no. do not because it is not faithful to the it original. Um, and, we'll, <laughs> and we'll, and we we'll, and we'll, you know, why? expand on that in the future. But as for right now, that's why it's in this. I have lots to say on this movie. Category. Yes, so do I. So we're just we're gonna leave it at that for now. Is that uh, I give a thumbs up, you give a thumbs yeah. down, and that's that's where we're at. Uh, and then the next one on the list would be the 2016 version of the Blair Witch, um, which I don't even know if it's, would you technically even call this a remake? It's, because really, it's, it's a, it's just
1: kind of a kid's So it's, it's rebooting right? the franchise. I'd call it a reboot.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Or
1: legacy, yeah. if you will, too, because, yeah. uh, what was, what was her name? Wasn't Angela. Was it Angela? In the first mm. one. Heather, Heather, it's her brother, looking for her.
0: Okay, right. So right.
1: it's not a remake, per se. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Quite honestly,
0: yeah, I thought it was good. I liked, I, I liked all the Blair witches. Uh,
1: I know that the, 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 the second one, the
0: the, <laughs> the Book of Shadows, a lot of people talk a lot of bad stuff about, but I thought it was good. I mean, I thought, I don't know, I don't know why everybody's all upset about it. <laughs> Like I thought it was it was an interesting, you know, expansion on the original. It it you know it kind of lived in that world where the original was
2: real. Right. Yeah, right.
0: Like that uh, I mean, we all know there was actors doing that stuff, but in their world it was real and it just kind of moved on from there. And it was, you know, as if the movie came out only it was real events, versus in our world it came out as a right. yeah movie. Um but I mean I thought it was interesting. I thought there was an interesting like twist at the end. I mean it was like There's mystery and like the suspense of like you know what the hell happened you know like the video Uh of like what happened at their campsite and there's a lot of just like fun elements you know like you know the whole house was like under surveillance and they were like looking and watching all this weird stuff happen and everybody was everybody was doing something weird and they were all trying to figure out like who was you know the weirdest right right what what is happening. Um, I again, I thought, it was, I thought it was good, I thought it was interesting, but I know a lot of people I, don't.
1: Share I think it. it gets a lot of flack because the the debate is always is the Blair Witch real? This set the answer. The, the 2016, well, did this? The
0: 2016 yes. one did, yes, because it showed correct, <laughs> like it showed it to where the other ones just alluded. right. It's
1: always the there's always a question, you know, that it's a big debate with the original is you know, did karen paul whoever if this is all set up to kill heather all that stuff right was, was that all the question? Right. this goes yes there's a blair witch and it's real right like yeah, it, yeah. It, it kind of i i think that's why a lot of people have problems with it. it kind of undermines the mystery of the blair witch
0: um but i see here's like i said like i was you know kind of talking about earlier is what you said like the good sequel is one where it has little nuggets, right little tidbits it'll answer questions but it won't Mm -hmm. answer all your questions it'll it'll leave enough mystery to keep going and this one is like okay the big question is is the Blair Witch real it does answer that but it doesn't answer all the other questions why the hell is there like time slips going on you know why the hell you know like what is causing people to like warp in and out of existence and you know all this like weird stuff that's that happens none of that is explained I mean, yeah, okay. We know that the Bludder Witch is real now, but do we know that the Bludder Witch isn't also caught in that, right. you know, time warp thing? We don't know. I mean, again, there's a lot of I, unanswered I, questions. Yeah. So some are answered. A lot I'd, more love I'd love
1: and to I see I'd love to see this continue from this. I don't know if it's going to. I'd yeah. love it to, though. Yeah. yeah, but
0: again, that's that's what makes a good sequel. Is it? Yeah, it answers some questions so that people are like, oh, okay, right. you know, that's good. But it leaves enough open to where people want to keep, you know, seeing it, keep keep going. Right. Okay. Uh moving on. Now we'll do the um just kind of touch a little bit on the uh Japanese remakes um with either original Japanese horror movies that were um kind of remade for American audiences J-Horror
1: Americanized. Yes. Um
0: yes, yeah. So we're talking like The Ring, The Grudge, um Shutter, that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yes. One yes. miss so one call. Say, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. I I mean uh, most of these um, I will. I would kind of all put in the same category. I mean, there's there's slight variations, but all the same category. I would say they're superior in their original Japanese. Yes. Um, but they also rely on a lot of Japanese culture
1: and superstitions and what they actually believe. Right. Yes.
0: Right. So if if you go as far as you know, like you actually you know kind of like look into a little bit of Japanese culture to see why these things are scary Mm -hmm. or why these things are happening in their world. I think they're fantastic. And they're right now when they're remade for American audiences, they dumb a lot of that stuff down. And some of the stuff they just take out completely because again, it doesn't make sense for an American audience. And I think it just takes a little something away. It just, it takes enough away to where it becomes another generic, you know, kind of a horror movie, but like uh, the lighter, PG-13 in the (laughs) nineties. Right. Yeah. Like the, that, that PG thirteen, those kind of like lighter horror movies in that you know late nineties, early two thousands time period. I really think when you take away those interesting elements, I really think it just ends up as another generic version of those. Which I think is why they kind of stopped.
1: Which are but these franchises are still going on in Japan. We stopped here. Oh, in Japan, we just had too, yeah. Ring versus yeah. The Grudge, like twenty seventeen. Right. I mean, it's still a fr- it's um, a big franchise over there you know i understand that they that they did that um but i think we're now realizing that we can watch foreign horror movies in their original format and not have to americanize it right right and
0: but again i, I think in order to truly appreciate it you have mm-hmm. to take that extra step to just you know familiarize yourself with um, that little bit of culture that explains a lot um because if you just watch it without understanding that you're like what like, this isn't scary
1: to me right i don't care
0: right Yeah, like I, I don't understand i don't get why why is this why are the why are these people like all freaked out like i mean because a lot of things you don't get you have to look a little bit into their culture again it's not a lot you have to look a little bit into their culture to quite get them and if you do that they're fantastic right but if you don't uh eh, might be a little confused but yeah the american ones are just not as good
1: yeah agreed
0: um, um and then we'll kind of move on to um the reboots here, um, touch on a couple here. The first one of which, uh, will be Halloween. Now, Halloween, I know, has several timelines. Four, I we're on four. four or five. Four, we'll, we'll, yeah, four we'll discuss timelines. the
1: timelines will be the different episodes that we're discussing this, franchise.
0: right? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, expand on these a lot in the future, but yeah, essentially, we're on four different timelines. So, essentially, it's been rebooted mm-hmm. three times. Yeah, and it's still going. So yeah, it's kind of confusing into where you don't know what movies are in what storylines, which I guess is 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 interesting. I mean, for most of them, only the first movie counts. Sometimes the second movie, the,
1: the first movie, the first movie um, always counts. And, right, and then right.
0: Well, except in one.
1: Right. right yeah,
0: <laughs> that's the Rob Zombie one. The Rob Zombie one. The first right. movie doesn't
1: count. Um, I mean. That, that's this is a big big topic is you know you're it's become such a big franchise that you're now picking and choosing what you want to be canon right and that's you know kind of the last talk about we'll go into a little bit but so we'll get much deeper into this franchise i mean it's it, right. i I've enjoyed every reboot for the most part <laughs> I love Halloween into the like Halloween is probably number one um I'm Round Street number two for me, for franchises.
0: Yeah, and, and again, yeah. Be I'm, just, I'm, besides like Evil that. said, I, I, <laughs> I haven't watched a lot of the newer stuff. So I'll, you know, when we get there, I'll be watching a lot of these things for the first time, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll be better <laughs> able to discuss it at that point. But uh, yeah, well, again, we're discussing it later yep. in the future. But yeah, for now, Halloween has been rebooted multiple times, and it gets confusing. But we'll 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 work yes. our way through it. Um and the other one we're going to touch on here would be uh a Prometheus which is I mean I get it. I get it, right? Prometheus is, you know, made by Ridley Scott, who is the guy who made the first Alien. Now, I understand why he feels that he kind of like owns mm-hmm. that world, right? Because he yep. originated. I understand. I get it. Okay, I get it. Um I just I mean, again, I like the movie. Don't get me wrong. Overall, I like the movie. I think it's a good movie. I just don't like that he kind of retcons and kind of overwrites a lot of the stuff that's already happened in that world. And and all of those things moved forward, right? So he could have just as easily, you know, just kept things, you know, let those things be and then go in the past and do his own thing there. I mean, there's basically untouched as long as you end up in the same place um which i think he took a lot of weird turns i don't again i don't quite understand what was going on there um but overall it's 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 good i again i just there's just you know this movie makes it slightly confusing as to where the canon of the of the franchise right. goes um and i don't think i'm the only one that does it i know like um, Neil camp the the guy who did uh district nine has been trying to yeah, make his alien, alien five yeah right yeah, essentially what his aliens would again probably do similar to what halloween does is he's trying to like start after aliens he's trying to S- sequel essentially yeah. stick his movie in between two and three but the way that he wrote it i mean I don't, obviously, I don't know the whole thing because I wasn't involved in the process. Um, but I've seen a lot of interviews with him because I was very very right. interested. In and he said that his would fit in um, between two and three, but not um, cut out the canon of three and beyond. I mean,
1: can I was so mind. like
0: his? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just saying he didn't want to, you know. Again, he didn't want to do what Ridley Scott did and like retcon and like say all that stuff isn't my world. I built it. This is mine, right? You know. And again, I get, I get it. I'm, I'm not saying that he doesn't have the right to do. I'm, that. I'm, I'm, wondering, to if, a, I'm wondering if
1: how, I'm interested in the Alien TV show. I know you're following that. Yeah, to see where yeah, this goes. Yeah. I don't need two or three more Prometheus sequels, honestly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, again, I, I, Covenant was good. I liked it. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I liked it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's your it's one um, of your franchises, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um again i just again I, I just think i just thought it took steps that it didn't need to take but overall it was good it was a good movie well, i don't want to i don't want to take well, up too yeah, much we'll time be discussing that it, yeah, we'll, talk about yeah. it. we'll talk about it in the future yep um okay now we're going to go on a little bit of <sighs> legacies and revivals um i'll let you speak to most of these <laughs>
1: uh, um the first one here would be Lepric. so i mean we discussed leprechaun we'll discuss it as a franchise at some point but the newest one um you know warwick davis didn't return as leprechaun because he has kids and he didn't want he's not making horror movies while he has small kids which i find it hard to believe he still has small kids right now um he's like 50
0: yeah i'm surprised (laughs) he just started with Right.
1: right now um so it's it, it's a, I call it a legacy or revival because it's been a while since we had a uh, Leprechaun movie. The one before that was not even in the same same character. It, it, that it was a reboot slash remake of the first Leprechaun, which didn't do well enough to do anything more. As made by WWE Productions, as I can say, that's about it. You need to know about it. Um, but he's supposed to be yeah. playing this. it's supposed to be the same Leprechaun, even though he dies a lot, right? And it has as a legacy by it has someone playing supposed to be Jennifer Aniston's daughter from the first one now Jennifer Aniston didn't return um but they got a voice actor to replicate her voice to have a message on a cell phone for her daughter going back to that farm and the 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 dimwit the big guy from Leprechaun he was in it and he gets spoiler killed (laughs) Oh, i know no. and it was just it was like a, like i understand what they're doing with it but it wasn't good enough to do it and i really want work davis to come back if he's willing to do it and it's just we're seeing more of this legacies and you know and just shoehorning in a voice impersonator for jenna and say that her mom died that Jennifer Francis character is dead why? why why was i even in there i don't think it was necessary
0: yeah i mean again i don't i just don't like when movies do that like you know if if the actor is not going to come back i mean if you want to kill him off screen hey that's great but you don't even have to mention him right. at all
1: just I make mean, new entry there's
0: plenty new of entry yeah there's plenty of story that you can talk about that doesn't involve these old characters i don't know why you got to drag away right. for something that little yeah. you know something that's right there's just so many movies that i don't understand why they did it um you know, like I mean, Carrie Fisher in the newest Star Wars movie. I mean, that's just a travesty. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, that's it's just terrible. It's like they took these little clips of things that she said, and they don't. They she, she can't say anything specific, right. right? Because she's not there. So they're like essentially like treating her like right. Lassie, you know? As like she says like one little tiny sentence, and then Ray is like, "Oh yeah, that's exactly why." You know, like she's going on like this weird exposition. Right. Right. And then they cut back to Carrie Fisher and she goes, it's yes.
1: okay if I go on this? Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like, right. why? What is the point of that? I mean, you could have could completely cut that out of the story. I understand you want to keep her in the legacy, and she deserves to be in the legacy, but like I think it's against the legacy to right. put her in something like you know. But and I think the same thing is for you know, even if you know the actor is still alive but they don't want anything to do with it, just leave him yeah. out of it. Just leave him out of it. There's right. no point. You know, don't don't try to drag somebody into something they don't yeah. want. You're just building bad blood, and then they're they're sure as hell not going to come right later. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we'll just wait ten years until Warwick Davis' kids right, are old, right?
1: Now come. Uh, and then Slumber Party Massacre, which is a franchise we need to discuss uh. with Driller Killer. What really bothers me with this movie is there's you know three or three Slumber Party Massacres that exist, right? Late eighties, early nineties. We have three of them, right? This movie builds a legacy around character that wasn't in the original any of them, and they had a flashback to something thirty years previously that her mom survived the driller killer, and thirty years later it's her daughter. Like they created this legacy within the same movie, which is uh, which is weird. Like you have, I mean, you have.
0: Why? Why the stretch? Why do you need
1: to do right. that? I mean, you had the the sister survive. Number one, she's in number two and brings him back. Right? You can have. You can say anyone okay, is well, this I right? Mean, but you created this whole legacy, and they create a legacy in the franchise where there's previous movies.
0: Okay. Well, here's here's an easy out. Right. The second one is ridiculous. <laughs> okay. The second one is okay. Yeah, the character survives. She dreams about him. And now he's right. real again, but he's not even the right. same guy. It's a different guy that sings this thing, yeah. you know? So, like, they could have easily, like, in, in this remake, like, she dreamed about a Driller Killer, and then the Driller Killer comes back. It's already canon in that universe that that can bring right. them back. Why would you need to invent this weird <laughs> legacy fictional character that didn't even exist to, like, to try to hold on to some weird blood legacy right. thing for a modern take. There's no... They, they had legacy
1: on um, the antagonist and protagonist side, which is in the same movie, which... Th- th- why? Yeah, that's it, bizarre. It, 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 I watched it just because I had to watch it at that point, right? I'm like, I have to see how bad this I is. Mean, it was on sci-fi. After
0: the,
1: <laughs> after the second
0: one, I don't... I mean, I don't need to see anymore. The second one is yeah. so bad, man. I mean, it was... <laughs> The goofy songs, you know, like again, how he just appeared out of nowhere. Like they were in a construction site for like ninety percent of the movie. Mm -hmm. Somehow, like they're not even at a slumber party. (laughs) Like I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, just bad.
1: But we have so those are two really bad examples, right? However, yes, you know, we have the reboot, remake, legacy, revival (laughs) of Halloween twenty, the twenty eighteen, which really after. We're looking at almost 10 years, eight years of no Michael Myers really brought it back. And, you know, the uh, David Green really showed what someone who really cares about a franchise can do. Um, you know, whether, regardless of the timeline, like I think they're doing great things with it. I'm excited for Halloween ends. I'm excited for see how else they go with it. And it, to me, it was what. It should have been like Rob Zombie's Halloween should have been if this is the return reform that I think we need of slashers. It's people that generally, I'm not saying Rob Zombie didn't care. I'm saying that can expand with it. And I don't know. It's like work with David Green was working with John Carpenter on and consulting, right? And John Carpenter came back to the music. It's his, it's his creation 40 years later. And Why not get the input of people that made the originals?
0: Yeah, I mean, if they're available, why not? I
1: I think it's done well, realistically. And it kind of goes into the next legacy revival I'm looking forward to is, you know, they're going to tackle the Exorcist next and do a trilogy from that. Now, from casting rumors, the is a rumor, it's going to be the mom from The Exorcist, not Reagan, which is weird because she's still alive. Right.
0: But no, well, It's also kind of weird because she was so involved in all the Correct. sequels and stuff. So it's odd that they would bring the mom and not right. her. But I
1: mean, I'm you know, and these people are in talks of bringing Robert England back. I'm like, this is the slasher revival that was attempted starting like 20 years ago and. Twenty years to ten years ago, or twelve years ago, that didn't work. This could be the revival of slashers now, and we're seeing that with the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre that we just got this year, right? It's it's legacies are a thing, and it's finally reached horror. I'm and ex- I'm I'm excited for some of them. Like I said, Leprechaun, Slumber Party, Master, not good ones, but I think in the right hands of the <laughs> right people, it's there. It's our generation making movies from stuff we watched and that, that we grew up on. Right.
0: You know, that makes sense. I mean, I haven't seen a lot yeah. of these, but... I will yep.
1: Sure. <laughs> and, you know, the, la- the last question and, and, and all this stuff, we can j- just brief, you know, probably a couple minutes at the top, is, how important is lore and continuity to these franchises now? Do you think it's more important now with the revivals and reboots we're getting? Did you care about the lore and continuity through the franchises as you watch them as a whole?
0: Um, I mean, I do, and that's—I mean—that's just because you know I like to watch sequels that actually like right. sequels, right? You know that that build on it. I have no problem with like anthology series, like if that's what you're doing, I get that, that's fine. Um, but yeah, if you if you make a sequel that really has nothing to do with the other ones, I mean, I think. I miss a little bit something out of it, but again, you go by the numbers, you go by, you know, ratings, you go by money. Uh, A lot of people, especially in the horror, especially in the slasher genre, it doesn't really matter. Nobody really cares, as we've seen. Um, We discussed earlier with, you know, the Friday the 13th and and Halloween. There was a lot of, you know, just plain slasher movies in there where there was no character development at all. No movement, no lore changes, no nothing like that. Um, It was just, you know, a basic you know, just formulaic movie kind of going forward. And it didn't do any worse than it did before that. Um, I just think I, I always go into things, you know, whenever I start a series or a franchise, I like to start at the beginning and then I like to go forward from yeah. there. Right. And if I start at the beginning and then I go, you know, two, three, four, and I see that these really have nothing to do with each other and it doesn't really matter if I've watched the other ones. I mean, it, I think it takes a little bit of something away from it. Um, but I mean, I, me.
1: I love continuity, I love lore. As you know, I'd rather have the next one in line than a remake. I'd like to see the next thing reasonably, just to continue. And I think the one franchise that does it, has done it the best, we'll have to see when we, because we're going to have to cover this in probably February, uh, Scream. I mean, Scream... I mean, even with the retcons, if you want to go into Scream 3, which we'll, we will when we get the franchise, you know, the retconning, it's just adding more background, maybe not necessarily necessary, but as far as continuity and lore, it's, I think it's held the strongest of a horror movie franchise.
0: Yeah, and, and again, I think they did that on purpose. I mean, I think their 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 whole thing was they wanted to keep you know continuity they wanted to see like if you've seen the other movies before you know you know a lot of clues and a lot of things moving forward right. you know um yeah so i mean they were they're always like you know follow the rules of the sequel and and stuff like that they were always like you know it's kind of self-aware right <laughs> um but they yeah they were they they took it seriously that you knew that it was different you know moving on in the series they referenced other movies you know there's characters that existed only because the other movies in the series um, and yeah, and, and they took that very seriously. Like a lot of these, you know, slashers and stuff, it didn't matter. Oh, if you saw the ones before no. then. I mean, yeah, you know, the only thing that was the same is they had the same, you know, killer character. That's it. You know, that
1: it doesn't matter if you saw well, one or not. It's the same. Even if you did, you have the previously on first five ten minutes of the next movie, right? <laughs> yeah, usually you right? always have some right. lead up, and you, so they made it so the way that you didn't have to watch it. And you still, but like. You know, I think Scream this year did a fantastic job poking fun and parodying and being made up with legacies. That was the whole thing. It legacies in this last one. And, you know, this maybe is going to be a new trilogy that 4 was supposed to do, didn't. I thought it was a great movie. But 5 was all about legacies and subverting expectations. I think I think lore and continuity is important. And it, it's just, you have to, at some point you have to pick, right, we'll discuss the Halloween, your favorite timeline. <laughs> right? The, the, oh, well, yeah. The darkest timeline, the if you will. The world, the, well, the d d dice.
0: Uh, right. Huh, huh.
1: <laughs> so, no, I think it's very important. I'm just, I'm excited to see how things continue and we'll get more legacies with Halloween, with Exorcist, maybe with the Alien series, with the Friday 13th series, with the Predator series, with all the stuff they want to do. Is just keep it going. Don't retread. You can retread, but you don't have to nullify anything in the past. I feel.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's ideal. Um, I mean, if if the franchise has been written into the ground or if it's been destroyed, I, I see it's okay to like you know have a reboot or or something. Um, but yeah, especially at the ways we as we see a lot of these franchises are still going or you know they've had a, an entry in the last decade that didn't you know did well right. enough. Um, there's no point, but again, yeah, ideally <laughs> that wouldn't happen, but again, it's, you know, Hollywood loves oh, absolutely. stuff. So. It'll happen. We'll just hope they're better in the future. Yep. All right. All right. Um, so I think we'll wrap that up. Yes. Um. Okay, and then uh, stay tuned for next week. We'll be discussing the Jeepers Creepers movie franchise, which uh, has now expanded to four, four yep. movies. Um, so yes, we'll be discussing uh, those and their uh, directors' questionable practices uh, and <laughs> all that. Um, so until next time, I am Salem saying, "Long live the
1: new." And um, graveyard saying, "Have you checked on the children?"